0: Hi, this is Kane Hodder, Victor Crowley, Jason from Friday the 13th.
1: You're listening to WithoutYourHead.com.
2: of Decapitation Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neil. That would make me terrible, Troy. Mm-hmm. And joining us for the first week of Slasher Month is the return of Nick Principe, his Chrome Skull, and a lot of other cool stuff we're going to talk about. It's very good to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, dude. Let me be the first to publicly congratulate your insane weight loss. That is no easy feat. It is so inspiring. Thank you. Uh, I really I hope everybody it. knows about that. That That's really, really a big deal. Oh, thank yeah. You. It's pretty
3: amazing there, yeah. Neil.
2: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's weird because I do post about it a lot, and most people, I say the vast majority are very like, uh, you know, they think it's you great. good but, supportive people. Yeah, but there of. are people who get mad about it. It's very <laughs> bizarre. It's like, ah, you post Are those it. You're just trying to get attention.
3: They, uh,
1: like, what the hell? Are are they are they obese people or
2: <laughs> this very miserable people, I believe.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
3: Nobody should be happy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is I it, think it was it, Morrissey that says was it? I think it was Morrissey who said in the Smith song, he's like, We hate it when our friends succeed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. was, yeah. I normally don't message someone if they unfriend me on Facebook, but there was a guy I knew for years, and I was like, Well, that's weird. So I messaged him and he was just like, Oh, I'm sick of all your positive posts and I was like, um, okay.
1: <laughs> Oh my God. That, well, I mean, the the entire basis of me leaving social media was all the negativity Ugh. and all the politics. I can see that. um I I I mean, literally every single day, it was just either pro Trump, anti Trump, uh it, it just, I mean, that felt felt like at least 80% of the feed was just people going back and forth about that. And these people are like, you know, some of them are like, you know, real life friends and mm-hmm. I don't want to offend anyone. But at the same time, it was like, God, this, this is just irritating. And then it's funny. Like once you leave social media, people just think you're dead. Like you don't <laughs> exist apparently. Oh,
4: yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, you're it, right. you
1: know, You know, I mean, this isn't the first time I've left Facebook. um, And I got to say, I don't I don't miss it as of right now. You know, Um, I I, I definitely lost one movie that, um, you know, fuck them anyways. But, uh, well, you know, I wish them all the best, but, you know, fuck them. Um, But like, it's just pretty amazing that, you know, once once you don't have like a, a, a platform for yourself, like people think you're dead people literally thought I was dead. Uh, you know, I understand some of my past would give some people good reason <laughs> to think that, but people don't <laughs> shut off their Facebook and then die. They usually just die. and Then, <laughs> then the Facebook, <laughs> conti- like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah.
2: it's it, it just, I don't know. People are nuts. Yeah, I did. It was, uh, cause I know you've, you've, you've taken it off before, but I uh, just out of the blue one day. I was like, man, I never see Nick Principe on here anymore. And I was like, I think I'm going to message him and see if everything's okay. And everything was really good with you. So it, it turned out good. Yeah, I mean, it was, it,
1: was, it was funny and very, very serendipitous because, I mean, like I said, you had texted me the day I got married, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Um, and, and the way I felt with Facebook is like, listen, everybody that matters, anybody I remotely care about, they have my cell phone number. They have my email. You know, let's mm-hmm. let's go old school
5: pick up a phone and let's
1: call a motherfucker you know i mean you know you you know just give me you alive sure i am doing great good to hear from you well done yeah but um yeah
2: it's it's weird that because it is so negative and uh you know because i do a wrestling show and the horror show and both wrestling fans and horror movie fans uh more even more so the wrestling fans think though like they really hate what they think they what they are supposedly fans of it's almost like they want uh, wrestling to totally die but they're yet they're wrestling fans it's it's very strange like i mean
1: i understand it's i guess maybe a lot more dare i say fun
2: <laughs> it to is fun some to, venom right? <laughs> yeah to, to
1: post some venom out there and then just see what comes back i mean Look, I am not free of sin. One of my favorite things to do on Facebook is if I saw like a post and there was like four girls, I'd be like, "Wow, three of you look great," and then I would just <laughs> oh sit, there and run, <laughs> and sit there and just watch them tear each other apart, and that was my pleasure. I enjoyed <laughs> that; it was funny. I mean, you know, so I I get it, but um, it, it's just when it comes to threats and name calling. Yeah. And things like that, it's like the the keyboard tough guys, that that's where it just I draw the line, and it just it's that just gets stupid. It gets really stupid. Yeah. Well, you while know?
2: we're while we're talking about that, we uh, were uh, I don't know Here if we were talking. Uh, <laughs> uh, Can you talk about <laughs> Juggalo, Juggalo Gate? <laughs> oh, Juggalo
1: Gate, I love it. Um. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it, because I know that anything that I kind of, like, promoted at one point, they attacked, so I didn't really want to bring it up. But I I don't care. I really don't care. I never considered it a threat. Um, Me and my friends, everyone I know, we found it hilarious. Um, It's – I mean, I'll I'll start from the beginning. In case anybody doesn't know, on my personal page (laughs) – Oh, God. Uh, So, like, maybe like a week or a few days after the the Vegas shooting, um, you know, I have a very dark sense of humor. And I posted something along the effects of, like, you know, all these horrible events, uh, you know, these these tragic shootings at music festivals, yet no one attacks a juggalo fest. Uh, (laughs) Something to that effect. That's not what I said verbatim, but it's close enough. And my God. I had no idea. I, I think I only had like, like two people that were actually, a, a, you know, a, a, a the the or whatever you want to call them um, on my page. And it was an onslaught. It was amazing. I mean, memes with just like me holding dicks from so holding dicks. It was fucking hilarious. And um, the emails, like it started out. I was kidding. I I thought that for a community that dressed like clowns, they could take a joke, you yeah. know, because I really didn't mean it. I I would never wish death on <laughs> right. anybody except for a pedophile or a rat. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> it, it, I didn't think much of it. You know, I just thought it was a joke. I make a lot of stupid fucking jokes. I don't think anybody takes me serious, you know. And they took it quite serious. And wow. there were thousands of emails. Thousand, and um the biggest thing i noticed was the amount of racism and homophobia in the messages uh i hope you get raped by n-bomb like you know <laughs> the n-word with hard r not wow. not even with an a with hard r with hard r oh, i <laughs> hope your mom gets raped by n-bombs wow. uh um, you giant you faggot pieces of shit faggot faggot fag- oh, that it was just a reoccurring thing. It was just total every single one. N bomb, N bomb, N bomb. Gay, uh, gay slur, gay slur, gay slur, gay wow. slur. Over and over and over again. And, and maybe like I, I noticed like like two out of like thousands where there was like someone who'd be like, that, you know, that was kind of uncool what you did. I, I know a lot of us kind of suck, <laughs> but you know, as, as a whole, we shouldn't be killed as people. I replied to those emails and I said, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. truly sorry. It was a joke. It got ugly. My apologies. So that was, but like I said, that was about three emails. Right. So I kept my mouth shut to an extent except for the other posts where they're like, you should apologize. You should apologize. And I just proposed, because, like I said, it started as a joke, but all those emails and stuff, I was like, wow, these people really, really suck. Um, yeah. I'm like, now I kind of mean it. Now I kind of mean it. Now I think they all suck. Um, it started as a joke, but now I think they suck. And it was funny because Jim Cornette, I know you know wrestling, he yeah. fucking hates Juggalos. Oh, yeah. He reached out to me. This guy reached out to me. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow. Oh, I'm like Jim Cornette. He's just like I heard these, jugg- these juggalos. They're fucking. They're a fucking menace to society. They should all oh, die. Like he was like he, like wow. spinning. It was insane. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, oh, I'm like, uh, I guess I agree, Mr. Cornette. Don't hit me with your tennis racket. I don't know. Um, so I mean, that just blew up. Um, you know, uh, I think what is it? Um, so my band at the time was supposed to play rock and shock. Mm-hmm the day after one of their stupid face paint horrible hip hop bands were going to play and the fans basically <laughs> <laughs> they threatened the Worcester Palladium with like fire bombs and bombs oh and shit yeah. and like the people who played were like wow. nick they're like nick they're like nick we, you, you can't play i'm sorry <laughs> you can't play And, like, it was mean like, they're like, at least, you know, he won't be getting the money from that show. Like, we were supposed to get, like, 200 bucks. (laughs) And, like, I was just going to donate it to, like, a battered women's house in fucking Brockton. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I I still just dug it out of my pocket and paid it anyway because I told them I would. And then um, the funny thing was, it it was actually a beautiful blessing, right? Because what I would say is, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this is going to make my band huge. I was like, I'm like, anyone who hates the juggalo is going to listen to us now. <laughs>
2: right.
1: And um, the thing was, is the guys I was playing with, they got scared. They literally got scared. And I'm like, what are you scared about? I'm like, you cannot buy this kind of promotion. I'm yeah. like, you, this is great. And they were like, no, wait a minute. Like, we got kids. I'm like, flip, I got guns. What do you mean? Who cares? <laughs> like, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, these fucking group, they're not going to fucking do anything. I'm like, they're all on the keyboards. Fucking, you know, whatever, you know? And, like, you know, then it got ugly because they started, like, posting, like, addresses that I had lived at before and all these things. And then the the worst thing was, I don't know what phone number they got, but it was, like, an 80-year-old woman. And apparently (laughs) she got bright calls, like, 24-7 for, like, 72 hours straight. Uh, (laughs)
4: Like,
1: I felt horrible for that absolutely horrible so i don't know my attempt at taking the high road which wasn't the high road at all (laughs) because i don't know how to do that i'll be completely honest i don't know how to do that instead of like putting up any more posts or anything else i just went and i got their symbol tattooed right by my asshole (laughs) and i just posted a picture of that (laughs) Um, so yeah, I have a juggalo tattoo right by my asshole. Um, yeah. Whoop, 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 whoop.
2: I love it. Yeah. it It is weird today that you can't, that people don't know jokes. Like you can't, anything you say, if if it's clearly a joke and like, obviously you wouldn't mean something people, there'll be people who yeah. think it's like totally serious. I, I don't understand it.
4: Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I think, if you follow a lot of stand-up comedy like I mm-hmm. do, that seems to be the main topic is that everyone is just too PC. And oh, I don't yes. think people are I don't think people are honestly PC, but they want their public image to show that they're so politically correct and mm-hmm. things like that. But inside everybody, you know, You find what's funny, it's funny. It's like you can't help it. If you're going to laugh at something, you're just going to laugh, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where, I mean, honestly, Jerry Seinfeld has said (laughs) that people are too PC right now. Uh, And if you are offended by Jerry Seinfeld, then just fuck off.
4: Just fuck (laughs) off and fucking die.
1: You're a fucking, oh my God, you're a moron. If you are offended by Jerry, if you're offended by that man, please just. Fucking move away. Move away to your own little island where you don't bother anybody. Go in a cave.
2: Just fucking go away. Yeah. Go away. Yeah, I was. I didn't get death <laughs> threats, but I got. I got kicked off Facebook for for thirty to ninety days. It was a long time. Someone dug up. It was a six year old picture, and it was this uh, t shirt company called Skull Celebrities, and they make like caricature cartoons of dead celebrities. And I had a. It was a Hitler one. Because I thought it was funny, it was a Hitler, you know, skull with a with a with a hole in its head where he killed himself, and I'm holding. It. Yeah, and, they, they're based out of Massachusetts, correct? Yeah, oh, yeah, because wow. I, yeah, because I saw it. Yeah, at yeah. I, I used
1: to see their, I see their table at Rock and Shock all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually have a, I have a, I have a Macho Man Randy Savage
2: one. Yeah, because I, I bought the Hitler shirt because I thought it was funny, and I also bought a Jesus pin, and I would wear them together because I thought it was funny, and uh, no one ever said anything about the Jesus pin, but. This guy went crazy about the Hitler thing. He's like, "Call me a Nazi," and and then so I just was like, "I can't." You know, I was like, "Well, even if I was a Nazi, like, do you think that's how I would show it with like a with a dead Hitler a dead you know, cartoon?" You know, I, like this is how I I support my naziness and and like he just, oh, no, you're just a piece of shit. My family yeah, died in the no. Holocaust. Like,
1: what the hell? And no, no, yeah, Nazis. Nazis carry like lawn torches now and stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, right. Yeah. Right. Tiki-tiki. That's that's like their thing, isn't
5: it? Yeah. Isn't that crazy it's, that there's
1: Nazis now? There's Nazis. That's what Trump yeah, brought actual out he Nazis. Brought up some <laughs> I mean, that's just nuts. That it, we're so politically correct, but yet Nazis are not hiding anymore. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
3: Like they're not hiding anymore. Well, you can't which hurt is insane to me. You know, you gotta be careful yep, to exactly. counter their feelings. <laughs>
1: You know, yeah, apparently Nazis have feelings, too. You know, death to these people, death to that. But how dare you speak against us? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I, I'll be like, I just want to say, too, like, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of talking shit, even though he's a pretty horrible person. Um, the, I, I, believe it, I believe it was Joe Rogan who said, I don't want to take this quote as my own, but Joe Rogan said, he's like, not all racists are Trump supporters. But all racists are Trump supporters.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, you know, I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, yeah, yeah. and with these coming elections and things like that, we're fucked either way. It doesn't matter. Like <laughs> you know, you know, it just it, politics is just, just scary. scary. Try to stay away from it. I, I, I get all my politic info from The Daily Show and comedians, which <laughs> I know, much so do I. doesn't say That's a lot yeah. for my does <laughs> not say a lot for, for my intelligence i'll be the uh, one to admit but you yeah. know it it just gotten to the point where if you don't laugh at it it's time to like y- y- you want to eat a bullet you know so if you can't it, uh, laugh at it then what's the point you know
4: yeah
2: on a serious note though i do think uh the reason why trump won and he may win again are is the fact that a lot of people go too far with the political correctness so a lot of people who vote for him it's not even really that they like him they just think everyone on the left is crazy because they'll see things like someone going nuts about what's clearly a joke and they'll think, "Well, all these people are just crazy." But and that's unfortunate because I, you know, I, I I'm I've always been a liberal guy, but I don't think I'm insane or like, you know, completely PC or anything. Well, I mean, I, I can't believe
1: I'm going as far as to talk about politics, but <laughs> I, I I've always felt like I mean, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican because I love guns. I love guns. Okay. Uh, Always owned lots of guns, but yet I'm, I'm pro abortion. I I think a woman's body is her own choice and she should have the right to abort if necessary, which apparently puts me into a category that just doesn't exist. But like, those are like some pretty strong points. Um, you know, so it's very, very, very strange for me because I don't know. Democrats are just in general just seem like really good people. But when they disagree with you, Mm -hmm. they're doing the best that they can to convert you. Like, this is why you should be like us. What is wrong with you? Why don't you act like this? (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. the only thing I respect about Republicans is like, they're like, I don't give a shit if you think like (laughs) we do
4: or not. (laughs) This (laughs) is
1: just what I believe. And that's just what's up. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that makes me like a libertarian i don't I honestly don't know how they feel about abortion that's, but that's like kind of a big thing but yeah. uh, I, I don't know it, it it's it's crazy i don't know. I guess growing up as a kid, my parents just taught me to vote for the lesser of the evils
4: <laughs> uh-huh
1: I was basically taught that all politicians are pretty much evil, but just some are just a little bit less evil than others <laughs>
4: yeah. and
1: and try to make up your mind if you weren't you know because I, I always think people should vote. The, the best analogy I ever heard was voting is if you walk into a restaurant and they just hand you a plate of food and you're like, oh, I, I didn't order that. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't say anything otherwise, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So at least if you like vote, that. that gives you the right to complain, you know?
2: That's very true. Okay. <laughs> That's very true. You know? I think George yeah.
1: Carlin might have said that too. It's a, it's a, I only vote because it gives me the right to complain. <laughs>
2: yeah. So we'll get off politics here. Let's talk about some movies. So, oh. Thank yeah. you Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're here So you got oh, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of cool stuff and uh, One of my, I think you, I would be proud of is The Vault Because it's like this amazing cast And I have not seen it yet, I do want to see it But uh, can you talk about How you got involved in The Vault I would love to um, Well,
1: First off, the biggest confusion Is there's already a movie called The Vault with it's James Vault. Franco right. It's like a ghost Heist movie, this, this is just vault um okay. how i got involved with that is completely through um a, a filmmaker named Tom, tommy tommy Denucci from my hometown um he's been making movies in rhode island and as soon as i heard about him this is like maybe like eight years ago and most of his films were like under a million but i just wanted to work in my hometown i'd never shot a movie in rhode island before and I was just so stoked that there was a, a local filmmaker who actually had like a real budget, wasn't shooting a movie on an iPhone. Oh. And over the years, we became great, great friends. I consider him like a brother now. Um, but he got involved with um, Martin Scorsese's producing partner, oh. Emma tillinger Koskoff, who has been Scorsese's producing partner for, I think, over 20 years now so he acquired a very real budget a very real budget i i, I don't want to quote it exactly but i know it's it's north of three million but right? i possibly i think more I, but i don't you know don't quote me on that now the biggest thing is this this movie was based on the bonded vault heist of uh 1976 and it was the biggest heist in america until the The Goodfellas Goodfellas covered the the, the Luthanasia heist in New York. Uh, I believe that was like 78 or 77. But until then, this was the biggest heist in North America of like somewhere north of like $70 million. Now, this story is something that has been told around Rhode Island dinner tables for as long as I can remember. Of... You know the the story of these two like just common hoods who got shacked up with the mob and got dragged into this this big ordeal I, I I won't go into details just in case you haven't seen the movie, but I mean it's basically about two kind of just hoods who kind of come up together. they meet a very well made mobster while in prison, and then as soon as they get out, this heist gets set up and um if you know the story, you know how it turns out if you haven't seen the movie, check it out. Also, there's a a phenomenal, like, 15-minute podcast called Crime Town that covers the actual heist. Um, I played, I'm not going to say his his real name, but I I played a very, very real gangster who is still alive today. He's a very well-respected man. Um, In private, I'll tell you who, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it uh, publicly.
2: For obvious reasons yeah. um
1: but um thats this, this a lot different
2: than a, pissing off the juggalos yeah
1: oh yeah no, <laughs> these people, you know what i mean yeah, yeah. well i mean look you know i grew up in rhode island i know the walk i know the talk True. and you know the my the, the the irony is is you know my dad's no longer with us but he was friends with all these guys he knew these guys well and I it's the one movie that I wish he could have seen before he passed away because I think it would have really he would have really gotten a kick out of it. Um but I mean anybody that likes mob movies is going to like it. It it's it definitely, you know, it's just a classic mob story, you know. But um it really really rang true because it was real. I mean all this stuff really really happened, you know um granted the movie does take some artistic liberties because it is hollywood but i it's very very little very very little was uh changed from the actual truth um when you see it i'll I'll tell you exactly what happened and what didn't but um that was like the coolest coolest thing that i've done outside of horror hands down you know um it was the first time my mom asked to, like, can I go to the premiere? Can I see that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, the, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I really can't say enough good things about it. Uh, Theo Rossi from Sons of Anarchy, yeah. um, that, that newer movie, uh, Rattlesnake, on Netflix. Uh, he was the lead. Uh, Clive Stanton, who um, was the, the Viking-turned-French King. From the TV show Vikings, mm-hmm. I was so stoked to work with him, and he couldn't have been more of a sweetheart. He was amazing, and then, for the record, Theo was awesome too. Theo was super professional, super super cool guy. Um, I definitely still stay in touch with both those dudes. Don Johnson was in it. That was a trip. Jazz um, Palm and Terry, Burt Young. I, I mean, it, it, was, it was a dream. Thing. Yeah, it, it, it was something else. Um, one, one tell a funny story about that one. Um, so at one point, just from being on set or whatever, Bert, he's a little, uh, I don't want to offend anybody. He's a
4: little,
1: he's a little off in his old days. Let's just say that. Let's just say that. But he kind of took a liking to me and Bruce was like, Hey, we need you to run lines with him. Like, let's make sure he knows the lines or something like that. And he's doing a scene. (laughs) <laughs> and um, director had me off camera just in case he you know, he screwed up or whatever. He had a scene with Chaz and they're talking and he flubbed a couple lines, which happened. It happens mm-hmm. to everybody, you know. And director was like, he's like, uh, he's like, Nick, give him the line. And I go to give him the line and he screams at me, I don't need you! And then the, the worst part is Chaz Pumpkin Terry, was just he is just a straight up G in real life, too, man. This man is just cooler than ice all the time. He turns to me in very chad. He goes, Nikki, did Mr. Young ask you for a line? I was like, No, sir, he didn't. He's like, Well, then maybe you shouldn't just say the line unless he asks for you the line.
4: <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh my,
1: I'm like, How did I get this? Like, oh my, you know? <laughs> So then like a few hours later, his dressing room was like near uh, where like makeup and wardrobe was. And, you know, you're back and forth from there constantly. And if Mr. Palminteri's door is open, that means he can be addressed. If the door is closed, it means leave him alone. So I walk by, I see the doors open. He's just sitting there. And I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Palminteri. He's like, what's going on, Mickey? I'm like, I just, I just really wanted to apologize. I'm like, if if I spoke out of turn, I'm truly, truly sorry. And he's like, Mickey, Bert, he's an old man. He's had a very wonderful career. We need to give him few liberties that maybe we wouldn't give other actors. But if you think I'm holding it against you, then of course not. You're you're, you're okay in my book. I like, oh fuck, cool. oh Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's just like right why would you think that not not that you're jaded, but like. That nothing's gonna affect you in this business. Something affects you, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and it just takes like a situation like that where you just you feel, you know. I, I'm six foot seven inches tall. I felt like I was about twelve inches tall <laughs> when Chaz was talking to me on set. I literally just shrunk into a Smurf, yeah. like you know. But like I said, I mean, you know, it's been like a year since, so it's like, you know, it's pretty funny to look back
2: on. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that that, Chaz is amazing. Uh, I always think, um, oh god, the name is catchy. Uh, A Bronx Tale—that's one of the best, uh, one of the more underrated. I don't know what people talk about, but one of more the underrated uh, like mob movies.
1: Oh yeah. Um. Apparently, I didn't know this until. Here is my thing. When when I meet celebrities that i'm like a big fan of Mm -hmm. i try not to talk about how much i love their stuff until possibly they bring it up Mm -hmm. and then i'll be like okay so when you were doing that did you like (laughs) like then then i'll geek out a little bit but i wait for them to bring it up if they don't bring it up then i'll just take it to my grave you know I, i i try to be as professional as possible and not be a total fanboy you know so he brought it up and we started talking about it. And what I did not know is that it was a play before it was a movie and Robert De Niro saw the play and that's how he got involved into wanting to direct the film. Oh.
2: I had no idea. Yeah. When the uh, one man play, I think the Chaz played all the characters.
3: Wow.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um,
1: that's yeah. That's the case. I, I had no idea. I had no idea.
2: Yeah, I only know because then he did it again not that long ago. I think it was in uh, Atlantic City, I want to say. But uh, I really wanted to go, but you know, I just couldn't make it. But uh, it would be sure. wild to see.
1: Oh, well, also, I have to mention that William Forsythe yeah. plays um, my crime partner in this film. And the Wishmaster himself, Andrew Divoff, mm-hmm. also plays oh, wow. uh, a character. Um, This was an amazing cast, an absolute amazing cast, a dream to work with. It was simply like just set up a camera and let these guys do their thing. You know, Mm it it was it was absolutely killer. And it was funny because Bill Forrest, William Forrest. I I mean, I call him Bill. I I call him Uncle Bill, actually. He's (laughs) like he's absolutely been nothing but a mentor to me. Um, Anytime I have any acting questions. He's one of the first people I call anytime I need help with an accent or, uh, some like dialogue coaching. I actually call Andrew Divoff, which I don't know if people know, but that man is fluent in nine different languages.
4: Oh, wow. Wow! He
1: is, he is a very, very intelligent and sweet man. Um, very proud to call him friend and a colleague.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyways, I spent more time with Bill on that set than I have in a long time. Cause usually like we, we've done like a couple of movies together. And it's like a couple days here, a couple days there. Then maybe we do a convention together. So we spend a weekend. So this is the first time we spent like, you know, almost like, you know, two and a half weeks, like every day.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And through boredom comes inspiration. And I was like, Bill, what do you think if I did a one man play about for justice? I'm like, do I have your blessing?
4: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
1: I was like, that would be hilarious if I dressed like half like Nico the cop and half <laughs> like Richie, like, like, like you. And he's like, Mickey, <laughs> you got my blessing, but I think there's a lot more things you could put your talent and interest into. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I'm like, I'm like, I have to do this. I'm like, I ha- I'm like, at some point in my life, I need to do the Alpha Justice one man play. I'm like, I'll just set it up with mannequins. Or something, and like the the scenes in between, we'll just put a screen up. Uh, I'm like I'm like one show in, in Providence, one show in Los Angeles, and then that's it, you know. Um, you know, but so before I die, that's something I really want to do. Out for Justice, the one man play. Um, I don't know the legalities of that, but I I, I think it would be hilarious. Neal and I
3: will be, be at the p pack to see you for
1: that one.
2: All right, All right. We'll be there. will be there. <laughs> I, I
1: I don't think it would be at the p Pack. I think it would be more <laughs> like the BMW Legion Hall. Yeah, yeah, would <laughs> right uh, be Something more like that, uh, or maybe like the Gam. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what true <laughs> artist and true performing art center would ever have. The Out for Justice one man show with Nick and <laughs> uh, i I
2: wouldn't book me. I,
1: I know that much.
2: <laughs> when you're um, when you're working with like that 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 great of a cast, do you feel that makes you a better actor? Well,
1: it definitely makes you step your game up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know, I, I believe you also feel like uh, a little person amongst gods <laughs> right. at the same time. Um but any movie I'm not focusing on anyone else's character but my own. That's mm-hmm. it. Um I'm a strong believer of doing the groundwork, doing the research, memorizing all your stuff long, long before you ever get to set. The the more pre-production and prepared you are, the easier your life will be on set. And that's the way I've always gone about this and it hasn't failed me yet. And, you know, I just showed up. I did my character. Um, you know, you know for the most part, it's not gonna be like there's gonna be a review that comes out and, you know, I I was like number five or six on the call sheet, you know, which isn't bad, but still it's not like you know you're not gonna like outshine anyone and anybody who walks in with that kind of intent you probably shouldn't be in this business anyways. Um, so you just go in there, and I was just playing another bad guy. Yeah, That's what I do best. That's what I get cast. It's how I feed myself. I play bad guys. Uh, that's just what I'm good at. And, you know, if I had the choice of playing Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker, I would pick Darth Vader
2: every single time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What did your mom think of the movie?
1: She loved it, just because it was about Rhode Island, and mm-hmm. you know she also knew a lot of the real people, and you know she knew this this story. You know she grew up there the whole time. She she loved it. She she loves that. And then I I did a Lifetime movie like four years ago. She really likes that too. <laughs>
2: yeah. She's not yeah. into the horror films. Yeah,
1: she'll watch them. Uh-huh. She's all about watching them. She yeah. hates seeing me die, which sure. is I get. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Uh uh-huh. um what, what's pretty funny is she actually just texted me because um last night for one night only um this i, I mean I, i'm sure most people hopefully knew about it but um slayer uh bj mcdonald wrote and directed three slayer music videos that went uh that intertwined with each other called the killology series and then we shot a 30-minute short film that tied in the three music videos. And it played last night across the world for one night. Um, the three videos and the short film and then about an hour of concert footage played. And I would just love to see my mom and her two friends going to the Slayer concert last night. <laughs> Uh, at, at a movie theater with just a bunch of headbangers
4: just like you know here's this
1: like you know uh-huh. this 72 year old woman and her friends are like I'm just here to see my son real quick
4: <laughs> it's cool
1: like <laughs> you know because um, I, I saw it last night in San Diego and it was fairly rowdy so I imagine it was kind of like that around the world you know yeah. Yeah. But um, so that that was really cool to, to work with Slayer that was that was a dream come true
4: like yeah
1: fucking slayer you kidding me sure um camarea is the biggest sweetheart one of the nicest guys in music i have ever met um th- there was a picture on my old facebook when we shot the repentless video and um i'd known him for like five minutes and i was like Could we get a picture real quick and i was in like a swat team uniform and he just crouched down on his knees and like looked up to me like he was scared like nobody asked him to do that for the picture, and he just did it.
4: <laughs>
1: like, I mean, the dude is—he he was just a, oh man, he was just so cool, so cool. It, it's just amazing when someone like your 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 heroes from music or film just turn out to be way nicer than you could ever imagine,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it was um, I had Joe Ca- we had Joe Castro on recently, and when I was watching his movie oh. uh, Xenophobia, I was like, hey, there's Nick Principi popped up, so uh, that was very cool. Yeah, to I see.
1: The the funny thing, the funniest thing I could take away from that flick is uh, I had I had just I think it was like maybe three months after we shot Vault when he asked me to do that mm-hmm. and I had grown my hair out for Vault which you know I've been shaving my head since I was like twenty I'm forty now you know mm-hmm. and so I had hair like like maybe like an inch past my ears. And I wanted to go back to like my normal haircut, but I was like just chipping away at it slowly. And it was in the final stages of right before I was going to shave my head. And I just cut my hair into a mullet mm-hmm. just for kicks. And then Joe was like, can you keep it like that for the movie? I'm like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, why, would you, why would you want me? I'm like, okay. All right. Like, uh-huh. yeah. I'm like, I'm going to look like a jerk, but okay, that's, okay, you you maybe you want a jerk, you know? So, um, yeah, that, that was, that was, that was, uh, that was cool. We shot that up in um, <laughs> we shot that in, um, uh, up in like Highland park. Well Technically it's Griffith park in Hollywood. And the the funniest thing I remember about that is, you know, my last shoot was in Rhode Island and every day I was dressed like I was in the seventies. And you'd be out on the streets in Providence, and everybody and their mother just comes up and talks to you like, Oh, hey, what are you, what are you dressed like that for? What's, oh, are you guys doing the movie? Oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then here we are in Griffith Park up in the mountains. I have a giant light-up crystal sticking out of my chest. I'm wearing these weird contact lenses, and there's just these joggers just running by you like nothing's going on. It's just like, yeah, we're in Hollywood. <laughs> Just another day in Hollywood. Nobody gives a shit, and why should they? You know, uh-huh.
2: that was that was pretty funny. Yeah. So, uh, did, did you know Joe Castor? You must have knew him before the movie, then.
4: <laughs>
2: Joe, well, I think it was like the third or fourth movie I
1: ever did. Joe, MySpace me. That's how old this is. <laughs> Joe MySpace me. And asked me to play a mentally disabled woman in one of his (laughs) movies. And I was like, Are you sure you got the right guy? Like (laughs) you know, I'm like, I would I'm like, just for the freak factor alone, I am so interested in
4: doing
1: (laughs) Uh you know, because I, I would say like, you know, probably my second favorite genre of film is comedy. And I mean, he wasn't making a comedy, but I was like, "This is gonna be a comedy." Like, <laughs> you are ca- you are casting a six foot seven, heavily tattooed, two hundred and forty pound man as a mentally disabled woman. How is that not gonna transcend a fucking comedy? No matter what you do, like whether you want people to laugh or not. I mean, come on. So I had to do it. I had to do it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So I did it. Um. We'd see each other now and again, da da da. You know, in Los Angeles and stuff. But then, you know, he didn't ask me to work again until this last movie. But yeah, you know, i I've always, you know, I'm nice to everybody until you give me a reason not to be. You know, so yeah. Joe Joe's a very 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 sweet man. His uh, his husband Steve is also a fuck super sweet guy. They're very 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 nice people, and um, th- those are definitely the kind of people you you, you want to work with. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, artists aren't always the nicest guys and you know, you deal with it, but it, it, it's always refreshing when, you know, the people you work for are very, very sweet and kind. And that is yeah. absolutely Joe Castro in a nutshell.
2: Mm-hmm. Give us a dirt. Who Who's the worst person you've ever worked with? If you don't want to say their name, it's fine. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, let me see. I've been blacklisted like three or four times already. So who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> Uh, that would easily be Michael Bay, hands down. Michael Bay, no mm. problem. I never acted for the man, just to be clear. Um, but uh, I did some stunts on the first Transformers, and it, it was just like, he literally says, bring in more meat. He doesn't even oh my call, God. Him, call him stuntman. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: uh-huh. Bring her more meat.
4: <laughs>
1: and the, the only scene, I only worked for a day and a half on that. I'm not even credited. I mean there's, there's a ton of movies I'm not even credited on because usually if you only work like one or two days on something it's very hard to get that credit unless you like really fight for it and like you email IMDb and like you go you know what I mean yeah. I just don't care you know um but there's this scene where we were shooting downtown and two stunt guys get thrown into this big picture glass window as like Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox are like running through the door and just for that scene they were bussing stuntmen in, and we started with about 18 guys. and We saw what they were doing to them, and they were literally on like a wire pole, just getting yanked through the window. They're padded up, but they were not landing on any pads. Right?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, first take I think the dude broke his collarbone, the other guy broke his wrist. He's like, More meat. They sent another two guys in. One guy breaks his ankle. Another dude like chipped his hip. So now, at this point, when they're like, he goes more meat, everybody's going rock, paper, scissor about who's going to go next. (laughs) (laughs) So, rock, paper, scissor. I'm like, oh, sweet. I win. Not me. (laughs) So, there's the next set of guys, minor injuries. Next set of guys, pretty good injuries. Other one, I went through with just some bumps and bruises. I don't even know which take they used. Of the movie it's definitely not me It's probably one of the guys who got really messed up um, But Yeah that guy did Not care
4: <laughs> He didn't
1: Like there's this I mean a lot of people See stuntmen as expendable and technically When you're hired Is that if someone's going to get hurt I guess It's going to it should be us But you know if you're doing your job correctly And your stunt coordinator is looking Out for you you're not going to get Really hurt you know, mm-hmm. but when you're operating with that much money and he's just such a, let's just say dictator, you know, you got to just don't even look him in the eyes. Don't let, just just leave it alone. You know, yeah. um, so so that was that's definitely, you know, I mean, I think everybody has like a Michael Bay horror story to one point or another.
4: Yeah. Do you have uh, any lingering injuries? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. I got to say, in my old age, there's not much stunts I'll be doing unless it's like, you know, I'll do some minor falls. I'll always do a fight scene. That's not a big deal. Um, I'm done with stair falls. I'm done with car hits, um, stuff like that. Um, As far as lingering injuries, um, my left knee and my ankle, whenever it's rainy out, it 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 aches a bit, um, I have some spurs on my tailbone. Um, I fractured my ribs like maybe like seven years ago again it, it's like that was another reason why California was good is because you know there's not too too much rain, and being in New England, it felt like I was constantly in pain and since um I used to have a major drug problem, I don't take any form of painkillers anymore yeah. like I'm freaking hesitant to take fucking Tylenol like I so but I mean I really don't need to I exercise a lot and that just seems to be the thing is like whenever you have kind of like bone injuries I think like the best way to go about it is building up the muscle around it Mm um so but that's that's it like I said on rainy days I get a little achy but other than that I'm I'm very lucky I'm definitely very lucky for the amount of uh burning the candle at both ends that I've done
2: Mm mm-hmm couple things there um have you actually ever tried cbd oil which i know like uh people might think it's all hype but it actually works for me and i got my our mom troy and I's mom uh using it she used to take a lot of pain pills for her back but uh like for the last six months that she's been using she hasn't t- taken any pills
1: yeah no um cbd has been a huge thing in california for like long before it uh you know it never came out here. Yeah. but you, you know i gotta say that for my issues I think I think CBD seems to be more like like muscle related or tendons and, and things like that mm. um and like I said it it only really hurts when it's like rainy out and like yeah. um you know that 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 cold wet weather it's the only time it really hurts but um I, I'm a complete endorser for that and I I think it it's just too bad that it's so associated with um THC or marijuana when mm-hmm. they're really just worlds apart and um you know uh, I remember. I I believe wasn't Gronk talking about it recently, I'm saying like, the benefits of it and how I
4: like so.
1: I, I I remember seeing yeah I remember seeing something about him trying to promote the benefits of that instead of like athletes going on painkillers and stuff because I I tell you what I mean you're in New England you know I truly believe that that opiates fentanyl all that, that that is that is the the white people's crack epidemic right now
4: oh yeah oh yeah.
1: Um, like just like what happened on the West coast and the East coast with like black community with crack, uh, I think is like the fentanyl and, and, and it's like, it's just, it's insane. And I've always said, if I come into like a bigger amount of money than just being able to like support myself and my family, I really want to just try to introduce something in new England where if you need help, you can just walk in and get a detox program, get put into rehab because it is absolutely ridiculous how some of these people are treated. If they go to the hospital um, asking for help, mm-hmm. um, I, I believe in new Bedford where like the heroin problem was just insane. So the, they had a, a, a thing where no questions asked, you go to the police station, say you want help
4: yeah. and
1: they got you help, which I think is amazing. Look, <laughs> I mean, it's just insane to me how people treat like they, 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 they treat people with withdrawals and things like that. Um, it, it's just horrible.
4: Yeah.
2: I don't and know if you want to talk about it, but was there anything that the, that you did specifically to get clean? I went
1: like, well, I'll be honest with you. I did like, I think like what is it, five, six detoxes. Mm -hmm. something like that and for me it was way too cushy it was way too cushy they took care of me too much there was there was no pain involved i for me for me to learn i have to suffer that's just i hate to admit that i need to suffer to make sure that i never do that to myself again in basically every aspect of my life so when i was finally ready about well it's been about almost 6 years now oh, wow. um i just went the white knuckle route where i just dealt with it basically just locked myself in a room uh pretty much just stayed in the shower with the hot water running on me for like 3 days leaking from both both ends wishing i was dead hallucinate like horrible but mm-hmm. that's what it took for me to break that monotony you know um you know classic story depression on and off all my life lots of injuries lots of personal trauma lots of just excuses when it comes down to it of why to keep using and keep doing this and doing that and doing nothing but hurting the people that care about me hurting my career hurting everything you know um but it's true you 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 can't do it for anyone else but yourself. You can't do it for your mom. If you have kids, you can't do it for your kids. You can't do it for your wife. You have to do it for yourself. It's the only way you can break free from that. Is uh you just have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am done. I am done. Um it's not about strength and overcoming the things. You just need to be done with it. I don't care what your drug of choice is, if it's booze, mess Heroin. I mean, whatever. Thank God I I got out of it before this fentanyl shit came in. Cause I I don't even I I just feel bad for people on that. I mean, it, apparently it takes like a speck to get <laughs> like a match head gets you high or something like that, which is fucking insane. Um, but Jesus Christ, like it's it just it's it, it's just insane. I, whatever it is, um, it, it doesn't matter. It's just you have to be ready. Like no one else can give you a pep talk and do this and do that, you know you just gotta be ready yourself, you know, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I can see how people get uh especially to stuff that's prescribed because a few years ago when I got really sick and I had part of my uh, colon removed, and then so I was on a lot of painkillers, and then I went to rehab, but by this point, I wasn't on any painkillers, but they were just pushing them on me so much they were like they try to give me some, and I was like, oh, I don't need any. And they'd just be like, oh, don't be Superman, you know. But it was really, I think, they just wanted me, like, dragged up so they would have to, you know, really deal with me. But it it was weird because, like, they'd get mad if I didn't want to take any.
1: Well, you know, these people have, you know, uh, the drug manufacturers have their salesmen that come to them. And they get X amount of bonuses basically every time they prescribe that, okay? And now... Let's say they've been prescribing you like a good doctor. If you're in some serious pain, he'll dope you up for like a week and then after that, he will wean you off. Okay. But a lot of these doctors, they can't refuse the money. So they keep pumping you full of drugs and they're like, Hey, I have a problem. They're like, Well, okay, we have something for that too. And then they want to set you up with that suboxone bullshit or methadone shit and you will be strapped to that for the rest of your life. That is even. It's borderline impossible to kick that stuff. Borderline impossible. And they know that. And they make lots and lots of money from it. And, you know, you are the product. You are going to, you know, they know that once you're on it, you would fucking sell your kids to get more of that, you know? Because, you you know, you start needing it to function. It, it's just a terrible, terrible, vicious cycle. And it's just deplorable Because we're the only country that does that. We are the only country that does that. Every other country, for the most part, unless it's like extreme surgery, they're like, okay, go home, stay out of work for a couple of days, just stay in bed. That's it. You know, we're like, you know, it's just, it's it's really sad. It's really sad. It's just, you know, just another case of the 1% growing stronger while the 99 gets weaker and weaker. It's just another way to keep the people down, keep them Mm -hmm. sedated, keep them quiet, keep them drugged up. Yeah.
2: Uh, one, uh, before I forget, I want to ask you said about, you know, the injuries and stuff. And I interview a lot of, uh, wrestlers too. And I always kind of see a similarity with, uh, like the stunt guys and and the wrestlers where it's not necessarily like, uh, where you did one move and you got injured. It's like the constant bumps that, that build up. Would you say that's true? Oh,
1: well, well, here's the thing. I would never compare a stuntman to a wrestler. A wrestler Mm -hmm. is wrestling nine days a week. 360 days of the year they're they're dealing with injuries and working with injuries way more than we are. I mean, the average stunt man works like maybe four days, five days out of the month, unless they're like doubling someone, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a steady job. Whereas wrestlers, like I said, you know, you know that they're working every day of the year pretty much. They're constantly on the road. They're dealing with injuries. Um, Even worse, uh, my good friend, Mike Bennett, at one point, you know, he had a tag team partner and he cracked one of his ribs. And if he can't work, that means his partner isn't able to work. So not only is he taking food off his table, he's taking food off his partner's table. And Mike, being the guy that he is, you know, he just peeled himself up so he could deal with it, Mm -hmm. you know. But, you know, that catches up to you. It, it, It will always catch up to you. I've yet to meet. A man or woman that's strong enough to go five days a week on these kind of pills or meds or drugs and then take the weekend off, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I just don't think it's possible, you know. And you know what? It the wrestlers again. I just take my hat off to them. The, the amount of abuse people have no idea. The amount of abuse that those guys put themselves through just to entertain them. They have no idea what these guys go through. You know, they yeah. they will always have all of my respect for that. And whoever says it's fake, oh God, they have no idea what they're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I interviewed Dennis Condry of the Midnight Express, he was just like, we can't fake gravity, which I always thought was a good, uh, a good line. That's, 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 that's definitely yeah, a good way fine. to go about it. Yeah. You know? So I, Yeah. So I know you did stunts on on the Joker, which was an awesome movie. What, what did you? Uh, what exactly did you do on the Joker? You can see the back of my head very briefly. All right, <laughs> very good. I'm
1: gonna go I'm gonna rewatch it. <laughs> it, it. It's on. The, it's on the subway when that guy gets shot in the subway. It was yeah. it was just one day. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was it.
2: That's still pretty cool, it's though. Pretty, uh, uh, yeah.
1: Oh no, it was it was super cool. the The, the funniest thing was um, there was. <laughs> uh they actually shut down uh, i think it was it was like 6th street or something in new york and they 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 blocked off like all the exits and it was just extras and crew down there but they wouldn't let all the extras off the train for basically any reason so people were just like pissing out the door <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like pissing in bottles <laughs> like it it, it, was just, it was it was i don't know it was an experience it was pretty weird like i said it was only a day but uh, yeah. it's fucking something
4: else.
2: Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. So I know before you left the social media, there was a lot of talks about you do uh, being Chrome Skull again for Laid 3. So I don't know if you can talk about that or, or what's going on with Sure, that. sure, sure.
1: Well, um, Rob is working on, I forget the name of it, but he, he's, he's doing makeup effects on, on some big movie in, in New Jersey. And He's, um, within uh, my schedule, he's going to be there for a while. And when my schedule lightens up, um, I actually have to fly out there to get a new life cast,
4: Mm.
1: which, um, if anybody doesn't know, you know, a life cast is basically like a plaster of Paris mold of your face. So the sculptors can sculpt, um, any kind of, uh, practical makeup effects. So it fits just you, um, very expensive process. But, um, that is my biggest hint that I truly believe that we're going to shoot it sometime in 2020. Nice. Um, I know he raised some of the money through like a GoFundMe mm-hmm. and then he got some, I believe some other kind of investors too. I I, I don't want to like, don't hold me to any of these specifics, <laughs> right. but, um, I truly believe it's going to happen in 2020. because so then it'll probably get released either late 2020 or very early
2: 2021. Yeah. Uh, um, how important is that character to you? You know, skull. Chrome skull
1: gave me everything that I have today. Um, you have to understand, I never set out to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I never said, I'm going to go to California. And I'm going to be an actor and that's going to be like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I just said, I want to go to California. I want to, I'd love to just work in the movies possibly. And man, it'd be so cool if I could just be the monster. I just want to be the monster once. That'd be so cool. I just want to be the monster. And it happened. And everything that I have gotten since is solely because of Skull. It's solely because Rob gave me that role. I am forever indebted to him for that. The man gave me a career. We had no idea that it would blow. It was going to be one movie. It wasn't going to be a trilogy. It was going to be one movie. And then we were like, we, we got to do more. We got to do more. Like, we went out to Maryland and we just shot that. We're like, wow, we just made a cool slasher movie right on. Did we expect did I expect to get the cover of Fangoria when it came out? Hell no. Hell no. Who thinks like that? Mm-hmm. You know, nobody, nobody does a project. It's like, this is going to be huge. You know? Um, I, I, I remember, I mean, I told this story before, but it was a while ago. I remember, um, when the first, first lady duress was coming out. Um, so was that terrible movie Terminator Salvation.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And Rob was like, Hey, um, Remember, Fangoria was on set. I'm like, yeah, that was like one of the best days of my life. Oh my god, I got interviewed by Fangoria. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Like, I can die tomorrow. He's like, yeah, well, we're up for the cover, but we're up against Terminator Salvation. I'm like, well, it's nice to be nominated. I like, no way, no way, are we gonna get the cover over fucking Terminator? No way. So, anyways, at the time, I, I don't, I don't know what's up with Fangoria these days now. I, I, I mean. I don't. I don't live anywhere near a place that even sells magazines. I, I know they have a great online presence, but I don't know if it's a physical magazine anymore. But at the time, there was still Borders and Barnes and Nobles all over Hollywood and Burbank. <clears throat> and at the time, I lived in Burbank, and Fangoria was based off the East Coast, and you know, obviously, the you know the three-hour time difference. So, right after I'd had that conversation with Rob the night before, I get a phone call at 5 a.m. And it's like, hey, this is uh, Sam Zimmerman from uh, Fangoria. Just wanted to let you know you guys got the cover. I'm like, fuck off. And I hung up. I thought it was a prank.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought it was a prank fucking phone call. right? The phone keeps ringing. I just put it on silent. I ignore it. And uh-huh. then Rob calls me at like 8.30. He's like, dude, are you like... He's like Why did you hang up on Fangoria? Like, I'm like... Oh, oh, that, that that was real? <laughs> I was like, that that's that wasn't a prank? That wasn't you? Because he does that shit. He pranks. He's, he's very fucking. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, I'm like, you're fucking with me. I'm like, you are fucking with me. I'm like, we got the cover over Terminator. You're fucking, you are fucking with me. And he's like, no, he's like, we got the cover, man. I called the dude back. I haven't talked to Sam in a while, but we ended up becoming a really good friend. Sam Zimmerman is a beautiful human being. He's a great, great guy. Truly, truly cares about the genre. He's a great, great guy. I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I, you know, I was in tears. I was in fucking tears, but still, you know, that old new England doubt. I'm like, Oh, let's see. It's actually on. Let's, let's see the physical copy. Let's just wait. Okay. Sure enough. A week later, I go into Barnes and nobles and there's a stack of Fangoria's. And again, I cry my eyes out. I never thought something like that would ever happen. uh, I, I bought every copy there was. Um, I st- it's, it's one of the very few things that I have framed because whatever happens in this world, I could die tomorrow with a giant smile on my face because I said I wanted to be the monster and <laughs> yep. it, it went way past my expectations or hopes, way, way past. And so that is what Chrome Skull means to me. And that's why, um, you know, until they send me to space, I will play it every single time that Rob picks. Every time <laughs> Rob picks up, sends a call, um, I will always work for him. No problem. I would, I would have nothing without that character.
2: Yeah. So it's uh, this month we're doing, um, we're dedicating a whole month to the slashers, so slasher month. Uh, what is it about the slasher like subgenre of horror? Do you think the that really attracts people? What what about attracted you?
1: Well, for me, um, it's weird. I'm going to bring up my mom again. But I remember as a very, very small child, my mom and dad went to go see Terminator, right? Mm -hmm. And she just kept saying, she's like, he was like the Grim Reaper. Just no matter what, he just didn't stop. He just kept coming. He just kept coming. And that was like petrifying to me. Absolutely petrifying. And I think that can be found in most good slasher movies where the killer is just relentless and he just keeps coming. No matter what you do, you can't stop him. And, um, well, very rarely am I ever scared by a film anymore. I'm still highly entertained by them. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what made the slasher genre so big for me personally is, um, uh, I, I call it the Grim Reaper factor. Like, you know, you, you can't run from death. And these slashers are the physical form of death. And once they lock their sights on you, that's it. Like, there's not much you can do, you know? You can run. You can't hide. You can't fight. You can just keep running. That's all you can do. And um, that's that's petrifying to me. Um, I think that, that's really scary that, you know, that, you know, you blow somebody up, you shoot them, stab them, whatever they keep coming. Like that that's that's very scary to me. I think that's what's always drawn me to uh that specific subgenre of
2: art. Yeah. Before you, you know, you got into the business, what were some of your favorite uh, slashers?
1: Oh man. Jeez. Um I've always leaned I really like the Italian stuff. Like Torso mm-hmm. is one of my favorite, but uh as far as American stuff, Larry Cohen's uh, Just Before Dawn, I love a lot. Maniac, the original Maniac,
4: yeah, Maniac, oh,
1: man. like that scared the fucking piss out of me as a kid. Yeah. Still freaks me out to this day. Makes you want to take a shower every time I see it.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Jason Lives Part Six
4: yeah. is
1: absolutely my favorite of the series. Um, I, I truly think many many slasher films borrowed the template of that film and went with it. You know,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um. You know, uh, the Halloween, of course, Halloween two is just legendary to me. I think that that movie just, you know, like one of the best of all time, uh, New York Ripper.
4: Uh,
1: I, I love a lot. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on, but, but I would say like the ones I mentioned, those are the ones that had like the biggest impact on me as a kid.
2: Yeah. And maniac has like my favorite poster art. It's like so sleazy and. I warned awesome. you not to go out tonight with the boner. It's the boner. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's so <laughs> awesome. You got the boner. It's just from the waist down, the boner.
2: Yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly unbuckled, yeah, just everything about it. And the heads turned the other way. Oh, yeah. It's just like yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh I looked up the the uh the cover here and it's pretty it's awesome actually. It's uh well you you know it because you have it up uh, you have it frame, but yeah, your your mask uh, lay to rest. He kills you best, and terminus salvation is much smaller up uh, up above Fangoria. But the the cover is uh, is Chrome skill. I I believe
1: it's April two thousand
2: nine. Is that correct? Um, my picture is kind of small, so it's hard for me to see the date. I think it,
1: I, it's definitely April. It's like two thousand eight or two thousand nine, something something like that. But um, yeah, a month. Oh man, that was something else. Yeah, Yeah. that was insane. Like, you know, would have never saw that coming. That's for sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Is there Go on, sorry. No, no, no. I I was just going to say real quick. Anybody that always brings that to me to conventions, I will always sign that for free because (laughs) it it just means so much to me, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm sorry. I I, I cut you off.
2: No, that's no big deal. I was just wondering, um, if there were shirts still available, I remember there was like some limited shirts there for a while.
1: I have no idea. I have.
2: Right. You're not on social. Yeah. You're not on there anymore. So you don't know.
1: Like, but um, I don't know. I I think maybe if you go to like Rob's page, he was definitely like selling shirts that was supposed to go towards the funding or something like that. Mm. Um, every now and again, like when I do like the German conventions, I'll maybe print up like, 10 or 15 shirts just to, you know, either just give out or or sell over there. Um, I'm supposed to go to Germany in like April, 2020. I was going to like make a shirt that maybe just said like Chrome skull for president 2020 (laughs) kill everything. I don't know. Something silly like
4: that. You know, I don't know, but
1: um, I don't know. They're out there. They're definitely out there. Um, I can't tell you where, but I'm sure Rob, has some because yeah. that was definitely part of the um, the the GoFundMe package
2: or whatever. Uh, Germany seems to really love slasher movies and horror movies. So we have you know uh, Germany a really from Germany. Germany is the best.
1: Germany, I, I can, I love me some Germany um, for music, for film. Uh, just they love the arts out there, and it's like mainstream in a good way. You know, um, the people are very honest. They're, they're just, you know, they wear what they love on their sleeves. I cannot say enough good things about Germany. Everything about Germany is awesome. Awesome. They, 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 they love them some horror, man, for sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Germany. I'd like to go sometime.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should definitely check out one of their cons. They're, they're very different than our American cons.
4: Mhm.
1: But um, they're cool. They're definitely very cool. They're very, very fan friendly. Um, they're the only the biggest difference. The only thing I don't like is I never charge people for pictures.
4: Mhm.
1: Like, I I think if you go to con- a convention and you pay thirty bucks at the door, you should walk away with something for free. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm always happy to take a picture with someone for free. Um, that's a big no, no over there. Um, it's like in your contracts, like you're not even, you can't like leave your table unless you're like on a break. And it, it, it's, it's a little frustrating. I'll be completely honest because I don't know. I I will never see myself as a celebrity. I'm really not, you know, I'm not a celebrity. (laughs) So if someone wants to take a picture with me, sure. Of course. Never say no. I don't care what I'm doing. I would always stop. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, you know, thirty bucks is kind of a lot of money just to go to a conventions. Like I said, I think everybody should walk away with something for free.
2: Mm. Um. So when it's talking about conventions, it makes you think. You know, Sid Haig, who was uh, always a staple of all the conventions, uh, passed away obviously recently. Did Did you have any interaction with Sid? I have had many,
1: many a breakfast and dinner with that man, mm-hmm. and. We absolutely lost an icon. Yeah. We absolutely lost. I would compare it to, well, I mean, when we lost Roddy, that really hit me hard. He mm-hmm. was, he was a good friend. Roddy was a very close friend. Uh, there, there's not a day that goes by where something doesn't remind me of him, but I would definitely put Sid in that same category. Um, no convention will ever be the same without him. I oh. I truly miss the the talks. Um, I remember one of the the best breakfasts I've ever had in my life was in Atlanta, Georgia. It was Bill Mosley, Sid Haig, myself, Lawrence Harvey from um, Human Centipede Two, yeah. I
4: and like uh,
1: Ogre Ogre Nivik. I'm I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. From uh, <laughs> Skinny Puppy, yeah, who turned actor. Um, great great guy. That was that was one of those breakfasts where we're all just kind of list, just, you know, Sid's the elder and he was just talking and we were just listening. Um, there were many other dinners and breakfasts much like it, but that whenever I think of Sid, I will always think of, uh, Atlanta and that, that time. Um, mostly because he spent a great amount of time speaking about his, uh, his time with the, the Jack Hill films of the seventies, like spider baby. And, uh, you know, all like the exploitation films that he did. Um, just, just, you know, I mean, just the, I mean, you, you meet so many of these people, so you, you get a lot of the stories too. And, you know, you, you just, you can't buy those situations, you know. No, it's for amazing a lifelong fan.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, yeah, I mean, just for a lifelong fan like myself, it's just, it's just so great to just sit there and shut up and listen,
4: mm-hmm. you know.
1: So yeah, no, I mean, like I said, we 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 lost an icon, an absolute institution of this genre.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the highlights for me doing the show. Well, first Sid was our first guest ever on the show in 2006 when we started, and it was pretty cool. He even did it. I mean, we could have just been some goofballs, but uh, he came on the show and it was immediately such a really good guy because at first you know a little nervous. You know, it's the first interview and it's Sid Haig, but he's just like a really down to earth guy and he's very cool. And uh, in uh, Texas. Uh, I had got to have dinner with him and Ed Neal and like their families and uh just like uh exactly what I said. He just sat there and listened to all these stories and this while he's talking about like being in like black and white like cowboy T V shows and you think, Oh, this guy's been been through like everything over these decades and it's just uh, uh, almost every convention I'd at I've been at would either be Sid Haig or Bill Mosley there and it's it's weird not to uh not to have Sid Haig at a convention anymore.
1: He will be missed. On so
2: many different levels, so many different levels. Yeah, yeah, great god. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask where, but people can't follow you anymore, so you're not online. But uh, <laughs> what do you what do you have in the works?
1: Oh, it, it's funny you say that. Um, I have. This is kind of messed up because two days ago I just signed an NDA about okay. this. Okay, all right. Um, I'm not sure what I can say, but. It's a vampire movie and it's shooting in the UK. I've got that going on.
4: That's very cool.
1: Um, I can't, (laughs) I wish I could say more. I truly do. Um, Me and Dave Sheridan, uh, you know, Doofy from Scary Movie
4: 2. Okay, yeah.
1: um, We have like an expendable parody (laughs) thing that we're kind of working on where I'll basically be playing like a a mentally disabled Dolph Lundgren from uh, universal soldier. Mm -hmm. Definitely looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, with my old pal from the band life of agony, Alan Roberts, we're in the very, very ground stages of getting his comic book called crawl to me, which is already in its fifth printing from IDW publishing. Um, we're, we're going to bring that to the screen possibly within the next year, year and a half, give or take. Um, something I'm finding out about producing is there's a lot of variables to that title. And basically, if you just kind of introduce some people to each other, that makes you a producer.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so there's some stuff going on with that. I don't want to go into great detail because there's nothing set in stone. It, like I said, it's the very, very ground stages of it. But that's going to absolutely be a great project. He also, um, Alan is responsible for um, the adult coloring books, The Beauty of Horror, Volume 1 and 2, which were like apparently the highest selling adult comic books sold on Amazon Prime. Um, he's got a, a GoFundMe page for um, his, he's got a line of tarot cards that he's trying to get funded. Oh really? And I think he's like yeah, he's like three grand away from that. So I don't know. If you go to like Kickstarter or GoFundMe, one of the two, um you can you can look up that, help him out. He's an amazing artist, uh in in every aspect, music, um, art, writing. Uh he he's definitely got his heart in the right place with horror. He's he's a giant fan of it. Um, very, very talented man and he definitely deserves the attention. Um so yeah, that's where we got cooking. And then, um, you know, I'm auditioning at least every other day. So who knows what's going to come? I'm actually, uh, next week I got to drive up to LA. I'm doing this, uh, a, a Facebook watch
4: TV show. Okay. Oh, I'm
1: so terrible at <laughs> promoting myself. I forget the name of it. I don't even uh-huh. know the name of it. Um, it, it's, it's not horror. It's, it's more like action comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm doing that next week. Um, I don't know if you, if you, if you give a shit about me, I have no idea why. Um, just check my IMDB page. There's uh, there's you know, they're pretty good about posting like the bigger stuff I work on or like, you know, the, the major parts and things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's just, that's, that's it. Other that's than great. that, I'm just up here in the, in the mountains of San Diego with my guns <laughs> and, uh, just hanging out by my fire pit with my wife and watching the stars and
2: yeah. Well, very good. Well, congratulations by, uh, about getting married, by the
1: yeah. way. Oh, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. You're
1: yeah, welcome. yeah, it, she's uh, far more than than uh,
2: a jerk like me deserves. That's that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to her, too. I think you're a good guy. Yeah, it's, it's good uh, to catch uh, up with you man. again. I would, always, always uh, like talking to you. Talking yeah. with you. Oh, always a pleasure. And,
1: you know, you've, you've got my cell phone. Reach out anytime you like. If I don't write back quick, it's uh, just because I'm in the mountains, but I'll always get back to you. Um, you know, everybody who's followed me over the years, I I, I I am truly, truly, truly indebted to you. I would not have a career without any of the people that, that care. I would have nothing. It is all because of the fans. Uh, everything is because of the fans, and they will always, always have a special place in my heart, and I am forever indebted to them. I just, Cannot thank them enough.
2: Very good. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I like that sentiment. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Yep, always. I hope so, Neil. And thank
1: thank you, Troy. Thank you guys for having me. I truly appreciate it. This is is easily the best horror podcast that there is, hands down. Uh, I appreciate that. (laughs) Always support you guys in any way that I can. You guys are absolutely the best.
2: Thank you. Appreciate that very much. much. You're a good guy. You got it. All right well
1: I'll, I'll talk to you soon again thank you for having me everybody out there god bless you thank you so much if you're not into god just bless you uh <laughs> just you know thank you thank you thank you thank you
2: very good
6: thanks
1: man i appreciate it all and right take care. talk yep. to you soon yep. bye-bye now Bye.
6: from ancient terrors to the search for modern day conspiracies the tomb of nick cage is the new sound and horror rock Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. Sit here on a lie, by way of Now we're gonna die. The tomb of Nick Cage. They come a night, Ripley. Oh, they come at night, Ripley. Oh, Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the tomb of Nick
5: Cage. Hey everybody, this is Stephen Jeffries from Fright Night, and you're listening to Without Your Head.
2: Welcome to the station of decapitation, Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Frank Sabatella, writer and director of The Shed. It's very good to have you here. Uh, Thank you. It's
0: very good to be had. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, good, good. We'll, we'll see if you, if you think that at the end. So the movie comes out at uh, theaters and the video on demand November 15th. And uh, for people who aren't aware of The Shed yet, can you give them an idea of what it is.
0: Uh, yeah, The Shed is a horror movie. And in essence, it is about a group of friends who are kind of juvenile delinquents coming from sort of rough backgrounds and stuff. And uh, our main character, Stan, finds himself uh, in the unusual position of having a vampire trapped inside the tool shed in his backyard. Mm -hmm. And this presents a series of conflicts and, let's say, challenges for him. And uh, as the secret gets out, uh, a variety of situations unfold, thus creating the conflict and horror of our show.
2: Mm-hmm. it's a real uh really original take on on a vampire movie i've never seen a movie quite like this
0: uh thank you that's yeah very it's nice hard compliment. to do i
2: believe yes and i like that your vampire is a monster because uh you don't see that too often <laughs> in, in movies anymore uh
0: yeah that was pretty important for me to uh if i was gonna have a vampire uh to make it scary which i feel like a vampire hasn't really been monstrous in a very long time, at least not in most popular cinema that I can mm-hmm. recall. But I wanted to yeah. kind of bring it back to the old scary vampires of, of yesteryear.
2: Mm-hmm. Who, who did the, uh, the makeup for the, the for the monster, for the vampire for vampires.
0: Uh, the effects were uh, designed by Jeremy sellenfriend friend of monster in my closet. Um,
2: yeah. I had him on the show
0: for uh, quite a number of years.
2: What's that? Yeah, I had him on the show a few years ago. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Was yeah, there anything so that inspired the... the makeup uh, effect? Yeah, did you have any hands on, like, this is what I want it to look like, or did you let him just handle it?
0: Oh, no, totally. I was... Uh, I sent him a lot of uh, images, my own kind of sketches that I threw together, and we just had talks about here's kind of the look of the vampire, and... We came up with a few different looks because as the movie progresses, he his look is transformative, if you notice. So mm-hmm. we kind of determined what the progression of uh, the main vampire would be as he sort of becomes more transformed. Um, so, yeah, we kind of went back and forth on that. And, of course, you know, Jeremy brings his own artistry to the, to the concept as well.
2: Mm-hmm. When's the movie supposed to take place, like in the 90s?
0: Uh, I didn't. I didn't really. Uh, I didn't give it a clear, defined time. Yeah. But I think if anybody looks at it, it's kind of got a somewhere between eighty-seven and ninety-two kind of vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a that's a safe that it has that feeling. I j- I just wanted it to uh, be. I I didn't want people to get lost in a sort of uh, striking nostalgia.
2: Yes, which was also I another big
0: to thing sort of today. feel. Uh, yeah. I d I didn't want I didn't want the I so I didn't want to go like nostalgia porn and have people be like, Oh my god, it's so eighties and I love it, which is right. it's totally fine. But I didn't I didn't want that to distract from what was really going on. But I felt having it set in that sort of loose time frame uh, you know, enforced the themes of neglect that run through the film.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really liked it. I liked it for one reason you just said there, you don't really know what time it is, but you know it's and also there's no cell phones, which I think can really ruin movies today, either just that they have cell phones or you have to come uh, up with a reason why someone doesn't can't use their cell phone
0: yeah and i it's funny because I was thinking about that recently because a lot of my uh you know my my short films as well from the past, I always sort of put them in a different time frame just to avoid cell phones and I don't know if that's lazy on my part as a writer or or what but i just I just think that the cell phones and the technology is uh it's an annoying conundrum, especially for horror movies, because as you said, you have to then come up with a cliched reason of why it doesn't work, or the battery's dead, or we're out of service, or I drop my phone <laughs> and it yeah. just all starts to seem, you know. Yeah.
2: Well, did fun. you did you find like a, a creepy old shed or did you did you make a shed?
0: <clears throat> no, we built that actually. Um our our art department, Diana Rice was our production designer. She, this is actually a really cool story. We were shooting up in Syracuse, which is upstate New York, and we were building the shed, and she uh, she bought uh, the, the slats of wood that create the exterior of the shed uh, were old wooden floorboards from this 100-year-old church, and they're made of hemlock wood, and she bought oh. all of it, and that's what the shed is built out of, this 100-year-old church, which is uh, super cool in my opinion. It's not just... Uh, you know, it was genuinely worn down like that, and of course, we did a little art to it ourselves. But yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah,
2: that that's pretty some awesome. To the pieces, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's blasphemous to make it out of a church. I don't know. Or, or it might keep a, a a vampire, you know, contained because it would be holy wood.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could probably look at it both ways. I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I also like that you really build the characters, uh, up before really, um, a lot of, you know, the, the horror starts to happen. Cause then you care about, you know, people when, when things are going on. Are any of the characters, uh, yeah. inspired by like anybody, you know, or yourself?
0: Uh, I, I think when I'm writing, I think there's like a little bit of myself in every single character that I write. I think it's unavoidable. You sort of write from experience or you write from your, your ideas of how people may react to experiences. So I think I could, safely say there's a bit of myself in all the characters um I, I don't know if i could pinpoint any particular individual that you know made me create a single character i think that they're just sort of the sum of people i've met through my life or you know what i mean like you just kind of draw from various influences to create something new
2: yeah and I don't give much way about the movie, yeah. but I do like the the use of the vampires. It's like uh, almost like he's been used as a weapon. But it's, it's a it's very very original. Yes,
0: sure. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that was uh, that was that's pretty much the concept. Is that it's uh, it, it's it's sort of the metaphor for the weapon. It's the the extension of the rage that may come from uh, an abused individual. You know, where do those where do those negative dark feelings go? In real life, I and mean, I guess when you're in a horror movie, it, you know it's sort of the the horror of any, the the vampire or the horror in any sort of horror movie becomes the or is really the manifestation of the of the dark emotions of other characters or the dark emotion that's trying to be portrayed by the filmmaker. So in our in my circumstance in this film, it was really just the um you know the natural progression of the feelings of the characters and you know without giving too much away the feelings of a specific character coming through and then the vampire ends up being a uh, a weapon an extension of that rage
2: mhm that's uh, a lot of the movie it's like has a lot of realism to the movie though you're dealing with vampires
0: uh yeah i was trying to go for uh you know you 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 want people to believe something unbelievable. So I was trying to give it as, as realistic a feel as possible through having, through having the characters be realistic and hopefully make realistic decisions based on what we know of those characters. It might not be the decision you or I would make. I think you can right. believe why those characters made those decisions.
2: There's okay. a line in there. Is it, uh, there's a line in the movie? Is it from sleep camp? Was it intentionally put in there?
0: I think I know what line you're talking about. Is it uh, Eat Shit and Live?
2: Yes, Eat Shit and Die. And, yeah, and the reply is Eat Shit and Live, yes.
0: <laughs> that is 100% from Sleepaway Camp. Very good eye. <laughs> or
2: ear. It's one, yeah, uh, one of my favorite slasher movies. I love it, too, yeah. One, one of the best endings ever. Great. Mm-hmm. And the last question, then, is uh, uh, the House of the Rising Sun cover was, was very cool. Uh, how did that come about?
0: uh we we were trying we were trying to license another cover uh of the song stand by me by uh, a band ki theory and it was incredible and it was so perfect and uh it was just well beyond our budget we couldn't license it um and we were working with uh a band uh called lunar and we were like hey maybe we could do our own rendition of something and we we came across uh the original folk song that House of the rising sun is based on which is royalty free and they kind of took it and gave us a version uh very similar to what we were looking for
2: oh very and, cool uh, it kind of that. worked out yeah yeah it definitely works in the movie yeah so i not I... know
0: i actually didn't know it either our music supervisor <laughs> brought that to our attention
2: oh i'm actually going to seek out the original one though so uh yeah i i really like the shed and not just cuz you're here I really dug it. It's my kind of movie. hope people check it out November 15th on Video on Demand. And it's it's very cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Have a good day. I appreciate it. Thank you.
7: You too. Bye. Bye.
1: All right, you all go to
0: withoutyourhead.com. I'll come over there and put my boot up in your ass.
2: All right, and we're back here once again at the station of decapitation without your head and I'm still nasty Neil.
3: I remain terrible, Troy.
2: Mm-hmm. And a big thanks to Nick Principi. He is a he's a really good guy and I always like the man and it's uh he's a friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of Troy's. It's cool to have him back on.
3: Oh, yeah. Always has like the best stories, too. I always love the guy when he's just
2: telling tales. I love, yeah, him. yeah, good dude, good dude. So uh, and he's no longer on uh, on the social medias, which I can't blame the guy. No,
3: no. See, I didn't know any of that. Jazzy was talking about the whole Juggalo thing and
2: stuff. Oh yeah, it's really weird because like uh, I always liked him and I would always read his posts and stuff. And uh, it just how that I was like, man, I haven't seen him in months, and I know he would leave sometimes, but then he'd usually come back, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna message him and see what's going on, text him, and I did. And it was the day he was getting married. Very weird.
3: Yeah, that's pretty wild.
2: Yeah. Let's see here, I think someone just called in. I may have missed the call. If I did, I'm sorry. Nine zero four nine zero four. Eric, call back in. I'll grab it. Uh, Where is nine zero four? I wonder. Hmm. Me I haven't a clue on that one. I think this is like uh the the, the call here is just coming up like so quick. Jacksonville, Florida. Alright, we'll just call back in. Sorry, I missed the call. So also big thanks to the bad hormones who are music of the month here for November. Very nice. Slasher month. So this month uh we get a lot of cool guests in the slasher subgenre. Always fun. Yes. Did this one work? I think this might have missed call, too. I don't know what's going on here. Huh. It's
3: madness about?
2: Yeah. That was, uh, that time it was, uh, uh Mr. Lindbergh try calling in, but. Oh. I don't know. It's just like I have to, like, hit this, like, instantly. Or... <laughs> it's like
3: whack-a-mole.
2: Yeah. But that so one. Zip I mean, pops
3: like... it pops up, boom. Huh. I don't you know. You got like the reflex tester working
2: now. He's being a pain in the ass. Huh. I don't know. Sorry. Uh, so, call back and eventually it will work. So uh, tonight we had Nick Prince to be tomorrow. Next, not tomorrow, but next week live, the return of another friend of ours, Bob Elmore. Oh, awesome. Bob's been away too long. Yes. And then after that, we have Nathan Basil, who is uh, in Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh, very cool. That's going to be very Yeah, good.
3: that sounds good. We haven't talked to him before.
2: No, no it'll be first time on the show. Some and old friends and some new friends. Yes, and also on the program will be Muse Watson, who is the fisherman from the first I Know What You Did last summer film.
3: Oh, wow. I haven't seen those in years.
2: Yeah, you know, so we got 90s horror, we got uh, 90s slasher, current slasher, 80s slasher, and kind of a self-aware slasher.
3: Yep, it's a good blend.
2: All right, so for some reason, it's not working. So let, let me just call Mr. Kriglinberger. here. I feel bad. Let's see here. Just bear with us. Hmm... I'm sure this is riveting to listen to as we call nah.
3: live on the air. I could uh, sing selections from yeah. Sweeney Todd.
2: Yeah. For some reason, I every time I would click on your when you call in, it would just it would just disappear. So we have you here, Mr. Lindberg, Creepy Craig.
3: Now there's hey no escape. Hey how are you? All is well. How about with
7: you? Uh, pretty good. Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for asking.
2: Good. good. So what's <laughs> going on, my man? Well, uh... Did you, do, you got, did, did you do the convention yet? I did do the convention. Did it
7: last weekend. How did that go? Uh, I, did, I did, did great. I did a demo. Uh The demo was for the Twilight Zone makeup. The Eye of the Beholder. Oh, nice. And if you go to the Framer at the Falls, you might... Maybe it's on their website. I'm not sure. Uh It was pretty funny because I realized... At the moment of the day, I didn't have a model. And there was a guy named John Renner who worked for Greg Lamberson. And he was the principal in Johnny Gruesome. He had come in with a friend, and I'm talking to him. And then, you know, when a sort of light bulb goes off in your head, and you kind of turn around, and I'm like, Oh, what are you doing later? You want to be my model? And I put the piece against his face, and uh, he was my model. He was great. Uh, the funniest part of the whole thing was. As he was walking around the convention, people are giving him the uh, giving him like a side-eyed look because they weren't sure if it was makeup. They thought it was his real face. Uh. They thought he was deformed. So it was pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah,
3: that's and gotta then, be uh, kind of a compliment in itself.
7: I would take it as a sincere compliment. Yep. because because uh, those people do. They you know they come into a convention like that. They either dress up like Jason or. Freddy or uh, Mike Myers or something like that. Or they have a lot of gore on their face. So that's probably the makeup they used to, but not something that's very natural skin tone. So it's pretty funny when people are like, oh, I thought I wasn't sure, but maybe he was deformed or I didn't want to say anything. Only about two people recognized what it was, which kind of made me sad because they didn't know what he was. You know, they were like maybe too young or whatever it was. Uh. But uh, yeah, I did the convention. I did two days. I did the other day. And that was next to Tony Moran. Uh oh, nice. Who was the shape. He was a shape, correct? Yeah. Right, yeah he's right, the, right.
2: Uh, funny. the unmasked. Uh, right. Mike right. Myers. Yeah.
7: Right, right, right. So he was, he was, he was doing very well. He was actually a sweetheart. You mm-hmm. know, he came up uh, to me and my friend during the party and he was talking us up and uh, he was pretty good. There's a lot of guys there that were really very nice, very friendly, just came up and started talking, like no big deal. None of that sort of like, oh, he was an actor, none of that. stuff. So it was pretty <laughs> cool. It was great. It was fun. Good. You know, so uh, and tomorrow I get to throw off a leg on, a, on another TV series, so it's going to be kind of fun. Ooh.
2: What TV series are, are you not allowed to speak of it here?
7: I'm not allowed to say.
2: All right, all right, fair enough. It's well, life, we will you know, it's all we'll non, be flipping channels
7: looking for a leg, uh, a <laughs> leg amputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna. It's not a horror show. It's kind of more like an urban drama. It's about some bad, uh, some bad dudes, and basically what how basically they're, disp- they're disposing of a body, and it's how they they go they go about it. So.
4: Hmm. So I that, like that's this. what I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So did you? Uh, I know you're there as a guest and everything, but did you get anything at the convention?
7: I ended up, you know, something I gotta admit, because you buy those patches. Yes. I've been buying. I've been buying. Oh, patches. nice!
3: nice. Of You've those. inspired a yeah.
7: real Yeah, it's, it's your fault. <laughs> well, what what you my makeup bag. I love it. What, what patches? Yeah. Well, I got one from, you know, the the Jason from Family Guy.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: I got that one. I got the Ghost Rider. I got Battlestar Galactica, you know, the the whole logo with the group, yeah. the BSD group. And I got the Sea View from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea.
2: Oh, really? Nice. That's pretty cool.
4: That was See, really it, cool. It's that cool. I
2: to, it's cool to have something to, to look for when you go to these conventions and something that's nice. They're small and portable, so you don't have to worry about like, this is going to fill up my bag or anything.
7: Correct. I mean, I used to go to a lot of these conventions to get the, the DVDs that, you know, there was a movie that never got transferred onto DVD or they wasn't people's interest. And then you get some guy that was, was able to do that and obviously sell them. And that's what I used to go to a lot of these conventions for. But lately I haven't really seen too many of those. So now it's patches. <laughs> yeah. It's and I'm running good. out of room on my makeup bag yeah. for them.
3: <laughs> you got some good obscure ones though on that one.
2: Yeah. yeah. I dig it. Dig it. So that must've, that must've yeah. been cool though, being there and doing the, the live, uh, the eye makeup and stuff.
7: It was really cool. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, you, you, you had, like I said before, you had the typical people doing the, you know, those types of makeup. So, I guess for someone to kind of do that, the only thing that was really cool is I wore my, uh, when Saturday Night Live had their anniversary, the department had kindly bought everyone, like, a jacket, these nice um, varsity-type jackets, so... I wore it and I was walking around with it during the party and people were like, "Oh, you work on SNL." I'm like, "That's cool." You know, so I said, "Yeah, yeah, man, it's really cool." So I was I, and actually I had three people come up to me and want my autograph, which nice. was funny. Yeah, 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 because uh I had worked on the two there was two movies. One guy came in and he goes, "You're the closest I'll ever get to anyone who worked on any of these movies. So <laughs> can I have your autograph?"
4: Oh, that's so pretty well. I could to make
7: some money, but I, was like, no, I, don't, I don't want to
2: charge you for it. Yeah. Well, that's good of you. That's good of you. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a picture? Yeah, I would have got a picture of them with the autograph, but that's probably too nerdy. But...
4: Yeah. yeah. I, I did not even just think. Well, actually,
2: <laughs> some people took a picture with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which is funny. Some people took pictures just, with so. me,
7: and I was like, okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, have you seen any good horror movies lately? Or any good movies? Doesn't have to be horror?
7: Well, I just watched. I know I'm. Um, kind of late to the game of this, but I just watched um, Homecoming, Spider-Man Homecoming.
2: Oh, I loved it.
7: That was great. That was really was cool. Uh
2: huh. Was and that the is that little, first one or the second one? That's the second one. Yeah,
4: that's, was, with, that's with Mysterio.
2: Uh, I, me and Troy split on that one. Troy dug it. I'm not a fan. Yeah.
4: Yeah, cause I, liked I loved it, it, Neil,
3: because it was kind of that update of the old Steve Ditko thing, you know, like the old... Mm-hmm. Uh, origin of... Because I don't think you could really have them coming in and just throwing some smoke and stuff nowadays. Yeah,
2: I mean, the origin itself is okay. I just didn't like the movie. Yeah.
7: yeah I, I thought it was cool that they tied it into so much of the other movies. They brought back these characters from... It was like, oh my god, it's that guy! I thought that was really, really cool how they did that. <laughs> yeah, I loved that, they connected that too. it to the other universe. I thought that was cool. And horror movies, I just watched Tales from the Crypt, And Vault of Horror from the Amicus, the old, uh, with, um, with Christopher Lee. Oh, yeah. And, uh, which is in that old one. Mm -hmm. I just watched it. Those are so good. Those are really cool. That was cool to see those, you know, to watch those old movies. And it's just funny. I look at the blood now and I kind of go, that looks so bad. It looks like someone like, melted that candy apple on the ground and I was like, oh, that's so bad.
3: Oh, yeah, when you got like some like red paint being splattered around.
7: Yeah, but you know, that was a good one. I like that one. Uh, it was pretty cool because in the last one, Vault of Horror, uh, Tom Baker's in it.
4: Oh, yeah, no. that's right. Yep.
3: Isn't he a painter in that one?
7: Yes, he's a painter. Right. Yeah. it's how you
3: remember that? I know. I think Terry Thomas is in one of those too. Terry I can't Thomas in there.
7: Yeah, Terry Thomas is one where he's that very strict uh guy that everything has to be in its place.
2: crazy. Yeah, that's awesome.
7: And, and Denholm Elliott's in that one. Oh, he, that's right. Who's the second guy in uh, Indiana Jones.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: And he, was, and he didn't look much different from what he looked like when he was in Indiana Jones either. I was like, he looks,
4: he looks kind of
2: the same. Yeah, I, yeah, I have, have that but, double you know, feature here somewhere. It's like a DVD with both of them on.
7: Nice. Correct. Sure yeah, my was. library
2: had it. so I,
7: was, uh, I went and rented it from my library. Oh, nice. Yeah, my clear. library had a pretty extensive... Uh, pretty extensive... Supply of movies, like
2: tons
7: and tons of movies.
2: Yeah, I think people, a lot of people aren't aware of that.
7: I don't think. No, a friend of mine has, has
4: gotten
3: me movies from the movies, library. Yeah, that like I couldn't find anywhere else. That's where I ended up seeing. Um, what's a Hiddleston vampire movie? Uh,
2: oh, uh, only
3: lovers left yeah, alive. Yeah, I've
2: never I've never seen that. I always wanted to see it.
3: I think you'd like it. It's very kind of quirky, slow-moving, but like Hiddleston's awesome in it. Yeah. And John Hurt's in it. I didn't even realize he was in the movie.
2: Yeah, yeah.
7: Well, I did see Pet Cemetery, the remake. Mm. I haven't seen that one. Uh, It's
3: okay. (laughs) You're telling me I I can take my time going to see that one.
7: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I wouldn't waste the gas going to the library to <laughs> rent it, or to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm probably, uh, I'm sure there's fans out there about it, and but I, I didn't. I, was, it. I don't think yeah, you liked I, it,
2: either, I, you, right? No, I didn't like it at all. I, I yeah, don't think there don't was really... anything about it that was as good as the original one. So I didn't understand why oh, really? why it was even made. He, yeah.
7: I'm gonna say this, and I know people are gonna hate me for this. I didn't like the original either.
2: So a lot okay, of people sorry. don't, but I'm a I'm a fan of the original. Yeah, I, I love the original one. But I know a lot. Yeah, of- I love
3: the book. But he, oh yeah, the book's great too.
4: To me, the book but even like Lithgow when I,
3: didn't didn't bring this one up, huh?
4: Oh no, no,
7: no. I mean, it's funny that they did the same gag with the leg. Oh okay. In both versions of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it, it was just. It, none of them really got to the tension that the books had. And to me, at the time when I was reading Stephen King way back when it was when he was very, very popular, like Stephen King was like the man, <laughs> you know, at the time. You know, and and uh, I was to me that was like his best book I ever read was was Pet Sematary. So I guess that's why when, when I saw the movie, I kind of was
4: expectations I, I, were it,
7: pretty high.
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. For me personally, I always felt that it was. Uh, I always felt it was one of the closest ones to the book, the movie version, the first one, mm. but I read the book after I saw the movie, which I do think oh, okay. it's, it's a big difference. Oh yeah. Sometimes that's an yeah. advantage with things though. Cause yeah. You know, you there's don't the have book, any. The book is almost always better. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's probably a, a few examples of the opposite, but it's, very rarely, so I think when you read the book and then you and you see the movie, it's always uh a let uh, you know, it's probably gonna be a letdown. For just about anything.
7: Yeah, it's like watching like if you've ever read Battlefield Earth, you ever read that book? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and then you I mean I've never seen the movie because it was I was like I don't hate myself that much. <laughs> um so, but I mean, the book was awesome. The book was for a, for a book that's over a thousand pages long. <laughs> it never got tedious. It was always pretty good to read. So, you know, my hats off for that kind of, you know, great book. And it's always was go- a good book.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I never. I don't hmm. think I've ever read it. And that, was that L. Ron Hubbard? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it is it like a real, Is it about his religion, or is it just a straight up? Uh, it's a straight out sci-fi. Mm. Yeah. And, I think they made the movie to be about more based on his religion. But well, I'm not, that I think
7: Travolta. Travolta was a Scientologist. So he was able to get the movie to be pushed forward. I mean, I never saw the movie, so I can't say exactly what was done.
4: Mm-hmm. You
7: know, um uh, Maybe, uh, maybe I'll give it a try and see, just to see what it is. Just come in expecting to be disappointed, <laughs> but
4: yeah, just kind of go and watch it, on that one.
7: Yeah, I mean, give it a try. You know, why not? What the heck, you know? Um, then I'll just go out and, you know, keep myself from jumping in front of traffic off the bridge after watching <laughs> it. So, you know. <laughs> so what's going on? How was your interview today? Was they good?
2: Oh yeah, I really enjoyed talking with um Nick Principi. And earlier I, I recorded an interview, but I can't it can't be uh, out till next week, next Friday. Uh so I'll give you a little bit of but I can't talk too much about it. But uh Brian Volkweiss, uh the creator of the Toys That Made Us. I get to see oh, uh, wow. the new season which comes out next Friday. Oh you dirty bastard. Fantastic. <laughs> oh nice. my god. That series is such a great series. You never oh, knew yeah. all the
7: history behind those toys.
3: It is, it is some crazy stuff, you know. Like ju- just knowing, you know, little snippets of each thing, and then when you find out, like the whole backstory,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, like the the He-Man one, I think is my favorite episode.
2: Yeah, it's great. So I uh, so I talked to him for a lot about you know about the show itself, and I brought up Troy and. Would, that Troy would like to see amigo version. I can't tell them, is anyone they answer, but I'll tell you off air. But okay. you know, or you can hear it Friday. But I can say what the what the season has because it is like up on the web on their Facebook page. So it's uh, the Power Rangers, okay, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, nice. My Little Pony, all the bronies
3: out there, yeah.
2: And one that the, the episode I was really looking forward to because I was very excited about this pro wrestling toys. Nice, there you go. And I have to say, I've never been a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan, but I loved the episode. Okay, good. It's one of uh, it's probably the most emotional episode of any <laughs> of the uh, of the series. Say so it's really—I don't—I can't talk too much about it, but this is probably not giving much right, time. Right, right. But it—it's really the episode's not so much about the toys as it is—it's really about um, the friendship and then the breakup of uh, Eastman and Laird, and it's very, oh, very, really? good. Mm. Yeah. very good. Oh,
3: I never even yeah. knew there was a breakup with those two
2: guys. Yeah, for, yeah, apparently quite a while ago. So.
7: Oh, wow! Like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, so that was good. The wrestling stuff was good. I finally found out uh, why uh, the old LJN uh, WWF figures were just big blocks of rubber that <laughs> didn't move at all. Why there is? I, there's, I oh, can't say, it, but yeah, there is an actual reason, like and you'll find okay. out. It and, wasn't uh, just
3: because they were lazy bastards and they no. didn't want to, like, make any points of articulation.
2: Yeah, exactly. So they cover lots of stuff. They we even get some A.W.A. Remco in there. I was very happy about nice. it. I love it. I that. have to say the man from Galoob, Robbie, is is fucking cra- amazing. This guy This guy <laughs> could have his – they could make a whole documentary about this guy. He's, uh, he might be the star of this episode. Wow! I have not watched My Little Pony yet because I did get the uh, screeners today and I didn't quite have time to watch them all before the the thing. Can I bring up the
7: subject of toys? Troy, you might remember these toys, but many years, maybe 60s, maybe 70s, because I think you and I are around the same age. They had these series of toys that they were aliens that came from the different planets. They had one character, was called Imperious Rex. He was from hmm. Jupiter, um, and he was like a reptile-looking creature that had these fins on the side of his face, and they were the bendies with the wires, and okay. they had a character from Neptune that was like a squid-headed, like,
4: um, like a cuttlefish oh, yeah. type
3: of head. I do remember those guys. I can't remember what they were called, what the the line was. Oh, my God.
7: I yeah, that was so unusual. People that them. I think there's people that remake them. I think if you find them out, there's like a little green Martian, and yep. then there was a, a, there was like a gold guy with gold with uh, white wings that sort of looked like he came out of Barbarella. Yeah, they, uh, they
3: they didn't really match up well at all. They didn't. There wasn't like a common theme with them. They were really really kind of random.
7: Right. 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 See, that would be kind of interesting because that's such, oh Major Matt Mason. I wonder if they would ever do something about that.
4: Oh yeah,
3: I'd like I'd love to see that. And um, I always remember uh, Big Jim's Pack was always a like some people were into the GI Joe scene, but like Big Jim, I think, just beat the shit out of GI Joe. Like. <laughs> Their stuff. They had so many gizmos, and they had like cars and RVs. They had tents. They had all kinds of stuff for for Big Jim. But then I don't know what it was. I don't know what scared people away about Big Jim.
2: I remember well, playing yeah. with the. You know they were like hand me downs. You know that, that you okay. had, but uh, but th- they had stopped uh, long before. I think there is like a a, sh- a small documentary online somewhere about Big Jim. Really so i could be wrong probably yeah now i'm looking but then, at uh, when
3: you look at the like the 70s i remember the catalogs and stuff i think they had their own section like the sears catalog right and uh i remember the, there were a lot of 70s like ball hugger shorts and stuff maybe that scared <laughs> some parents away i don't know
7: maybe well, with a name like Big Jim, it's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, they,
3: they, you look back at them, and a lot of them had that village people look to them and stuff. you know? Apparently,
2: The porn stash
3: was in in the 70s. The
2: the very first one, even predating the uh, Big Jim, the original one was called Mark Strong. Wow. And then it, then he later became Big Jim. Oh, Okay. He was the basic figure dressed in orange shorts with white stripes that came with a karate board, dumbbell, and test of strength belt. He was only released in Europe.
3: Oh, okay. All right. That's probably why I didn't know him. Yeah. But they had this great, like, setup where, where their arms were, like, rubberized. So you couldn't really see, like, the, uh, the elbow joint. And when you would bend their arm, like, their bicep would flex. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah, like
2: I remember that. I don't know why. Yeah, huh. Big Jim did come with
3: chaps, or anything like that? They probably did. I'm I'm afraid to go and look at the the old ones now, but they also had the first character that. Um, do you remember the He-Man guy? Neil will remember that had like the multiple faces,
2: Manny faces.
3: Yeah. All right, yeah, many faces. Right? I think they had um, Big Jim, his enemy. He had this hood, and you could like pop his back and it would spin from face to face. I think he had three or four faces.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He had like a black hood on.
2: He was he called Zorak? I'm seeing these names. I here. think I so.
3: I think you're right. I was going to say Zartan, but I think that wasn't... The, uh, Zartan's the guy. leader
2: of the Dreadnoughts. Okay.
7: I don't remember him. That it's, it's just a vague memory of Big Jim. Um yeah i don't i mean for me it's like a vague memory um okay that
2: that is him zorak i'm seeing him now
7: yeah does he have
3: the three faces yeah he's got the
2: black hood he's got no shirt on he's
3: no No. none of the big gym guys because we were all gay kids at the time we didn't Uh know you know
2: i think he he just has own agenda
3: with the uh oh two faces with him, or
2: maybe three look they show two on the box but it looks like he can also turn into like a skeleton Oh like yeah, there was there a was monster in the
3: skull. Yeah. One face was green, I think, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. He looks pretty cool though.
3: Yeah, he was he was badass. Unfortunately though, I think he was the guy cuz I my curiosity got the best of me and I had to like rip off the rubber off somebody's arm just to see how they did the <laughs> the flex and bicep thing. Yeah. And I think he he lost the coin toss, so.
2: Oh, man.
3: I think he had to lose the arm.
2: That's like <laughs> Then yeah. there was also the double agent, Big Jim, and his face changed. Oh, I wow. see. I didn't have him. Instead of a hood, he just had big <laughs> hair. That almost looked like a hood.
3: And then we even had the Corvette that you could, like, you, you push something inside and uh, double, like, laser guns would pop up on the hood. It was oh, totally
2: bad. They must have loved this idea because, actually, the Skull guy's a totally different character. He's Captain Drake.
3: Oh, and he would he's go like from a, a purse into a skull?
2: Yeah, he's like a pirate.
3: Oh, I don't remember him.
2: Yeah, they just like, we guys got to do like a million of these guys. Fucking make money here. Yep. Well,
7: she we do like have a. Of cool toys.
2: Yeah, we do have another caller here as well. We have Royce is here with us. Hello. Hello, Royce. What's going on?
5: Uh, just, uh, Got off work and saw you guys were doing your show and thought I'd uh, chime in. I actually am a filmmaker as well as a fan. Oh, very very cool. What kind of stuff do you you make? Uh, On indie level, uh, but I tend to like a lot of horror stuff, although I've done comedies and dramas and stuff. But horror seems to be my wheelhouse. I tend to gravitate towards it. I like Hitchcock stuff, and I've done classy uh, suspense where you don't see things, and then I've also done, you know, spit on your grave, last house on the left kind of stuff where it's a little edgy, not as PC, but still has uh, strong characters and some, you know, the suspense and all the good stuff.
2: Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, I think all of us here kind of like uh, all different. Really depends what kind of mood you're in.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I see enough people in the local community here in Jacksonville, and Um, because of the, and here's the thing, when you turn on the light in society and you let, and you become aware of the injustices and the wrong things, it tends to make people a little soft because you tend to now want to tread lightly and not necessarily be as vocal or, um, you know, brash with, uh, you know, the stuff you say or do. So the, the downside of that is, Yes, you're socially aware. You're being more conscious and not uh, doing wrong things in what you're doing. But at the same time, it you don't get to do as much as you want in your art.
2: So, like, well, what, what are you currently working on?
5: Um, I finished a film called In Utero, and I can share the link in the group chat uh, on right. Facebook. Um, oh, nice. It's a... Uh, it's a kidnap story of a pregnant girl gets kidnapped by this lady who became barren years ago, and she's embittered to the world, and she herself wants a child, and she decides that she's going to uh, hold uh, the ch- the mother hostage, and then when uh, the baby comes around, take it for herself. And it's kind of 70s, old school, in the modern world. It's got a lesbian love affair in it. It's got, uh, you know... Um, a guy who can't keep it in his pants kind of thing. So, you know, he has to pay, you know, it's got all the things that are classically wrong in it, but don't worry. The bad people get theirs kind of movie, which it's kind of funny. You listen to all the reviewers and I don't know what you guys think of this. There are some people who justify all the ugliness they put in their movies by virtue of saying, I'm going to have all this bad stuff happen to this poor girl. But don't worry, she's gonna turn around at the third act and get her revenge. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the, a lot of the critics are saying you can't justify all the ugliness in your first two acts just to turn around and have the girl get her revenge. Some critics think that it means the filmmaker is just getting his kicks on having all that ugliness happen just so he can justify the ending and having the um, the you know the girl get her revenge. Uh, but I saw a reviewer that. Uh, Mayor Zarki, who did spit on your grave, he physically rescued a woman in the park who had been a rape victim. And he took her to the hospital and did, you know, he found her this way and it broke his heart. So he turned around and wrote a movie about someone that had it happened to them, but they turned around and got revenge. Mm-hmm. So even though it's, you know, it's gratuitous kind of um, it's a feminist story because he was trying to tell Jenner- Jennifer Hill's story. Um, and I don't know what you guys think of it. Uh, do you think filmmakers, when they come up with a lot of ugliness as a plot device, and then they have somebody get their revenge, do you think that is the end justifies the means? Or do you think that it's, um, uh, what do you What do you think it is?
2: That's an interesting question. Uh, for me, I, I, I think you should be, you know, allowed, I guess, I guess you're not saying you're not allowed to, but I, I do think, uh, in your art, your movie, you should be able to do whatever, whatever you really want to do with it. Yeah. Uh, as a viewer, sometimes I don't, I don't, it's weird. Cause I, I don't have a problem watching like, uh, a lot of violence in movies, <laughs> but, uh, the rate, a lot of the rape movies, it's just uncomfortable to watch. And it is weird that there's a difference between watching like, uh, a long rape scene and a long, uh, a murder scene why why one really neither should be something you'd want to sit through but uh, I'm not really a big fan of seeing that but I can I understand the idea of we're going to show um something really terrible that happens to this person because then it does when that person does you know get their comeuppance you know it's it, you understand it and uh it's like well this guy is deserving deserving of it
5: when they um yeah. when they when he when he made Spit on Your Grave, it was originally called Day of the Woman and uh only after the marketing department decided that they thought it would be uh, you know, cool to have that sensational poster and um you know, the marketing of, you know, she's cut and burned and uh, sliced and hung all these men and not a jury in the world would convict her, you know. And yeah. by the way, I saw a thing where they said that's actually that model that's on the cover of the boxes to be more
2: Oh really? I wonder if that's with, true.
5: With, with the torn underwear and the knife in her hand, that's to me more hmm.
2: mm. how old would she have been in nineteen
5: seventy eight? probably in her twenties.
2: Yeah.
5: You because know, huh. she seemed pretty young in um in St. Elmo's Fire and in Ghost. Yeah. So um but I mean I do find that uh like a lot of the um the filmmakers locally, they're in the film community. And this is a it's not a political statement, but um, you find that majority of people in Hollywood, if they are conservative of any kind, not necessarily like they're judgmental or bigoted or anything like that. But if they happen to have traditional leanings or conservative thoughts, they tend not to talk about them all that much. I mean, Clint Eastwood is classically just, you know, that way and he doesn't care, but he still gets work. But majority of entertainers, by and large, seem to be. More on the left because they tend to want to be able to have free expression and and all these things. But I know yeah, that's I,
2: right. I also think uh, just art. Most artists in general are probably more uh, left leaning. Well, that's true. I, I think You're a lot right. of the people yeah. on the left would, uh, people that that would uh, seek out uh, work in the arts. I think would be more. They're going to be more liberal. Maybe not even necessarily uh, you know Democrat Republican, but more more liberal. Yeah.
5: Right, yeah. I mean and, and you know it's funny as you you watch you watch uh you find out a lot about your you, you know the artists that make art. I think Clive Barker's a genius. His stuff is amazing. Um he's an openly gay man and you know he is not afraid to put S&M in his stories like you know the uh, the Cenobites and Hellraiser are basically oh, yeah. bondage are basically bondage. You know, metaphors for bondage and mm-hmm. self-exploration with tattoos and piercings and pain and all that very out there stuff that some people are into and some are not. But, you know, but he's he puts a lot of metaphors in his films. Same thing with David Cronenberg. All of David Cronenberg's stuff is all about flesh and the body and your body betrays you and, you know, the, the, the monsters inside you and not necessarily an external force, you know.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah by the way i just looked it up and apparently according to wikipedia anyway uh, debbie moore has confirmed that the scantily clad woman on the film's poster posing with her back turned is indeed her
3: oh that's wild i never even heard that
2: she would have actually been let's see here how old is debbie i'm gonna look her up here She's born in sixty two, so that was seventy eight. Oh, okay. So she would have been sixteen. That's kind. Of, <laughs> that makes it kind of weird. Yeah. yeah.
5: You know what's funny is I, I saw the um this documentary about sleepaway camp and um the, you know the, the end scene where the the big reveal, um and apparently they had two choices. They either oh, got oh. the 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 actor to um put on the prosthetic. Or they had a choice of getting someone who was in a, a, a not a minor because the person with the I'm still trying to keep it you know for people listening what the twist is but the character that ends up with that reveal they uh, they were a minor so they didn't they said well we we can't have them wearing a prosthetic wang so <laughs> uh, so so we're gonna have somebody who's not a minor wearing who's a who's a boy person. Uh, wearing, wearing that character's face as a mask. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a.
2: It, you can <laughs> see it too in the movie wh- when it flips from her to the mask.
5: Yeah, you you can, and apparently, you know, this was back. Uh, this was a non-union film, and apparently, the actor got stoned and drunk out of the bejeebas and basically had to stand. You know, he had to stand there with his stuff exposed. So he had, he wanted to be zonked out of his mind. And nobody can confirm who that person is because he's been not on record uh, at any point admitting that's my Wang, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if that would be something you want to tell the world. Maybe it would. I don't know. It depends on the person.
5: And also is that movie, um, there's that whole exploitation, and I don't even say exploitation in a negative sense because I like Grindhouse and and, and popcorn cinema. I agree. But... um, that movie there's a lot of movies that have you know they have a whole build-up and then a gag I mean M. Night does that in a lot of his movies and some of them are really good and some are not so great but um but basically that end of the sleepaway camp is a gag oh yeah if it wasn't
2: for that I mean i don't think the movie would really work or be remembered as as well
5: yeah but they set up that gag with the opening scene of the the twins and the person is gone um and then the the little flashbacks to the ant that's a little wacky. And then, you know, the little, the the two people watching the two men in bed and, and, you know, just all that weird stuff. But the, the reason I bring that up is the, the end was a twist, was a gag for shock value. Now people will actually have said that it's not as socially acceptable because you're basically having a transgender character. And, but you're not setting it up in any kind of psychological way. You're doing it more or less for the shock value. Um, uh, not I, don't, n-
2: I don't necessarily agree with that, because I do think there's a lot of psychological elements to the movie, because she was, yeah. you know, that's why she is a killer. Yeah. That's why she, you know, she's uh, she doesn't want to show her body and, and all these things, because she, she was uh, forced to be raised as a, as a boy. I mean, yeah. as, a, as a girl instead of a boy.
5: Yeah, Um and they they do movies where like uh the crying game actually. It was in, the guy Neil Jordan actually said that the the Sleepaway Camp inspired him doing that twist in that film. And I'm pretty sure Ace Ventura did the same the reason why that character had a you know, had that reveal about them was probably also Sleepaway Camp, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What so what do you what do you think of today's horror you know in the in the in today's climate like you have all the Jordan Peele horror movies, which are doing well at the box office. You have the Paranormal Activity movies that were in vogue for a while but kind of phasing out. Sinister and The Conjuring, all those things are big. But then you also have um, – the big thing in Hollywood now is dust – the, the um, reboot cool. Yeah, uh, thing where basically you're doing a sequel to an old franchise, but you're not giving it a number. Like just calling the new movie Halloween. Yeah,
2: it's like kind of like well, a what they call a soft reboot.
5: Well, Halloween, the new one is basically Halloween two, because mm-hmm. it actually ignores part two where it's the sister. Um, and what's what's crazy about the Halloween franchises? It's a choose your own adventure narrative. You can watch part one, two, four, five, and six or if you want to follow Jamie and her uh, uh, Lori and her daughter, you could watch one and two then H two O and then part eight. If you want to follow uh, Lori's journey or you can ignore all that and just watch part one and then the new stuff they're doing. And, you know, so it's, it's crazy. I think it's, it's lazy to a degree when Hollywood says this franchise is not working so good. So we're going to, not necessarily reboot it from scratch, but we're going to ignore a couple of sequels.
2: Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the idea myself. Uh, It seems like it's becoming more of a, cause even H2O was the first one to really do that. And this new one really is just H2O, but it's like H4O and they even skip part two where H2O skips, you know, uh, after two. Yeah. I, 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 cause when I was a kid, when I would discover these movies, I would watch all of them in a row and it would be, it would be fun. You know, it's like, what, wow. but I can't imagine that now. Like if I just discovered Halloween and I try to watch them in order, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. Or if I try to watch all the nightmare on Elm streets in order, well, they might, they probably would. But, uh, like all the leather face movies, they definitely wouldn't make sense if you're trying to watch them in, in some kind of order.
5: It, yeah. If you so, watch the I, first two, the 1st yeah, were two, going to mo- say,
2: Craig. Sorry. Well, do you it's think okay. it could also be
7: someone trying to say, That they didn't like the second one, the original second one, and they wanted to improve upon that. And said, "I didn't like that, so I'm going to make my own version of it."
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the reason uh, why they do it. But uh, I'm not necessarily a big fan of the idea of it. No, it kind
3: of comes off as like a fanfic to me. I don't, I don't really dig it. yeah. Yeah,
2: I think it worked in the new Terminator movie because Terminator does deal with time travel, so it doesn't really negate the other movies. It's just this because because of the different things that happened in the time travel, it would actually change time, which I thought was a smart way when they rebooted the star Trek uh, series. Uh, They did the same thing where it's, you can still have all the other ones because it's really an alternate timeline.
5: It is an alternate timeline because, uh, Spock prime goes back in time as old Spock. Mm-hmm. To follow Nero, and he has to now he causes a riff and now he has to try to undo the thing, and he's stuck in the past. But it's still with Nimoy's Spock.
2: Yeah, you know? so it's I, a, I you thought know. that was a, I thought that was a smart way to do that, and then because you know, then you can really, start you yeah. can start with new stuff, um, where you're not you know you not you don't you don't have to like well we can't kill any of these guys off, or we can do something different, but. You know, we're going to tell new stories with these guys. I did think—I know Troy and I disagree on this—but the second one, I didn't think you should have went then with like a, a remake of of part two as the second one.
5: The only problem I have with that movie, uh, because I did—I I try to look at things in and of themselves, like self-contained, because I know, well, okay, is the movie good? Even if it's not a good sequel, or or, or it's you know, in the greater theme of the series, it's not great. But I judge the movies unto themselves and say, "Well, is this movie good?" Problem I have with a second Star Trek movie is when that when uh, um, Peter Willer's character supposedly, you know, he unthaws Superman, you know, to uh, to to be able to create that war that he wants. Well, okay. The only difference that Nero did when he went back in time was, you know, he changed um, history, but he didn't change the ethnicity of characters. When you thaw out Khan Noon Singh, he's supposed to be a mixed-race character who's a person of Middle Eastern Asian descent. You know, uh, Ricardo Bantaban played the character, so you, you have to cast someone who's Hispanic or Asian Hispanic. It, it, so when to they play cast, an Indian character, yeah, well, yeah, because the character okay. the character was cast. It's, it's, it's kind of like as an example if, for James Bond. If you have James Bond in all these movies is a Caucasian man. If you reboot this series and you say it's a different James Bond and he's not the same guy from all the other movies, you're starting from scratch. Then you can make him a non-white guy. But if you just do a sequel to the last movie and you keep all the side characters exactly the same. And they don't change, but then James Bond's playing by a non-white guy. Well, then it makes no sense. He's like, so is this the same James Bond from the last movie? No, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but Hollywood, you know, takes very very strong liberties when they want to.
3: I just don't see the difference though, between uh, because an actor was a certain ethnicity at one time that you would have to keep going with that.
5: No, 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 no you don't have to keep the same ethnicity, if you're rebooting the film, then you don't. Um, I think that it, if you're doing, um, let's say, you know, you did the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, and the first two movies is Christian Bale, but then Christian Bale gets in an accident or something happens to him, and then you have to recast the role. You can't suddenly cast Bruce Wayne with um, Denzel Washington because. He can't go from being uh, Den, uh, Christian Bale to be Denzel, and it's still supposed to be the same guy. That doesn't make any sense. Well,
2: yeah, but I don't think they do that with the Bond movies. When when they have new actors, it's just, it, it's kind of just a whole new. Don't they just yeah, change that's, everything?
5: That's true. I mean, I, I guess that's true. Um, I, mean, I really about fictional we characters. Yeah, you no, know, that's true too. I saw an interview with Jordan Peele where he said that um, someone said to him, how come your movies, all the lead characters are um, non-Caucasian characters? Mm -hmm. And he goes, as an artist, I'm I'm telling my truth. I'm telling my my story. I'm telling the story of what my life experience is as far as the awareness factor of, of the social stuff. And he says, I don't know any of the stuff from the other perspective. So he says, I'm not saying that I don't like those movies where a character is Caucasian. He goes, I just don't think I'm ever going to make a movie where the lead character is. Because yeah. that's not my truth. It's not what I know.
2: Yeah. yeah, And a I, lot of people spun that to to say something he didn't, where he just said, like, I would not never have white people. In my, it wasn't what he yeah. said. And plus, he said, you know, there's there are, like, tons tons of movies with a, with a white guy. I think anytime someone makes any kind of movie – they, they're going to tend to to make, especially if they're not, you know, making like hundreds of movies, they're going to tend to make something that, I mean, mo- most Martin Scorsese movies, not all of them, but especially the first uh, bunch of them w- were about, you know, Italian guys. Yes. So, I mean, I don't really see why it would be any different.
5: Well, that's true. I mean, except for a couple of movies, like Kundun was about yeah, the dollar. Which was much
2: later, in, much later in his career. You know, yeah, I but, mean, uh, he's only made yeah. two movies so far, uh. Jordan what do
5: you think of What do you think of Brian De Palma as a filmmaker? Because he came out at the same time as Scorsese and and, and Coppola and Scor- and Lucas and, and Spielberg, but De Niro's movies, I mean, uh, De Palma's movies seem to be very stylized, which I like. And I've heard him say, "I create the uh, I'm going to do style over the substance." He says, "I'm going to make a good movie, but it's not about the characters. The characters are there to support." The ride that I'm creating for you, as far as this the, the the crafted story and the characters are just populating that crafted story, as opposed to that's why you know Carrie is more of an emotional experience and this beautiful thing with the prom scene and and all those things, or touch or um, Dress to Kill is about the, the transsexual killer, um, you know, and Blowout is with um, Travolta. All those films are very uber reality. He says, the Kubrick said, I don't want to make a movie about reality. I want to make a movie about the photograph of reality.
2: Well, I, I respect anyone who wants to do you know, their own thing. And uh, I, you mentioned um, earlier, the guy who makes all of the, the body horror movies. I mean, all his movies, they're, they're really not about people either. They're more about the, uh, just about things happening to them. But uh, the uh, Carrie's a great movie. I'm not a huge fan of all the De Palma movies, but I, I do I do respect him. And it is weird that all those uh, all those directors came around at the same time when we're all friends.
5: All those I filmmakers, don't... all those filmmakers, those particular filmmakers were the first generation of filmmakers that, when they went to film school, they were actually influenced by pop culture and by like Truffaut. Godard, Fellini, all those French, all those French and Italian new wave filmmakers who are doing this avant-garde. You know, before the the '60s, films were crafted and stilted and very stoic and not very loose. And then Easy Rider came out, and then the hippie generation, and films started to be rebellious, and saying we don't need to be made films don't have to be made by these old old folks in Hollywood that have this certain mentality. Now it's about the counter culture and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so they, like how they made a joke that, uh, that, um, Clinton in the presidency in the nineties was the first rock and roll president. And it was the first guy that grew up in, with rock and roll because otherwise it was all, you know, older people, uh, you know, um, Spielberg and Lucas and and Coppola and all those guys, they were the first major filmmakers that came out of Hollywood that they were a bunch of film geeks. They were all film nerds. They were, they were in love with film as opposed to them being in love with the, the abstract idea of movies. They literally were in love with movies. Um, Now in the nineties or in the nineties, when I grew up, Kevin Smith uh, Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, the Coen brothers, uh, filmmakers like those guys, they are a bunch of film nerds. And their movies, they have a specific voice, which as an independent filmmaker, I find it very refreshing when you see filmmakers that, when you go to watch a movie by that particular filmmaker, you can love it or hate it, but you know it's an auteur piece of work. You know they're, they have something to say. They're not doing it for the massive paycheck that to get cashed in, which, and it's amazing with the uh, Marvel movies and stuff that uh, Kevin Feige, he actually hires people that are artistic guys to tell, Taika Waititi did Thor Ragnarok, and he's a great filmmaker. Um, have you guys seen, Who was a Jojo Rabbit?
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of jo- Jojo Rabbit was great. Um, some people don't like the second half, but... I actually prefer I like the second half over the first half, but uh, for people who don't know anything about it, it, it's a comedy set during the end of World War Two with a with the Hitler youth who has uh, Adolf Hitler as an imaginary friend. And so, you know, it starts off and it's very uh, politically incorrect humor. It's, it does work about halfway through. I started to think, well, this is kind of running thin, this you know, kind of one-note joke. And uh, the movie actually then kind of changes, and it becomes a more serious film. And uh, I thought it was a, a great movie, though. Uh, uh, you know, both of it works for me, but uh, once it becomes more serious and more emotional, uh, I thought it was even a better movie. But I think you need the, the beginning to, to transition into the more serious stuff. But it's a very good. bizarre movie.
5: Well, I, mean, I, I haven't had a chance to see it, but I intend it's on my list. I um, mean, you have filmmakers like him. You have James Gunn, who, you know, he did Slither and he, you know, he did, um, you know, uh, you know he, he's done the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. They have him doing Suicide Squad 2. Um, his movies are very character driven and there's a lot of humor in them. Um, and he started off with trauma films. Mm -hmm. with Lloyd Kaufman, he was making trauma films. And, um, so he's got this bonkers sense of humor. Same thing with Edgar Wright. You know, he was supposed to do Ant-Man, but then, you know, that didn't work out, but Edgar Wright's stuff, Shaun of the Dead, great, brilliant filmmaker.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and it's um, it, uh, Lloyd Kaufman has a has a little cameo in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is cool because he you know he still remembers uh, Lloyd Kaufman giving him his first uh, break.
5: I I remember um, like when I was a kid seeing uh, Toxic Avenger and then seeing this guy who's been horribly ho- horribly mutilated, but then he has this sex scene with this hot girl. It's it's completely in bad taste, but it's amazingly cool, and it, it, you know. I'm a I'm a big fan of irreverent humor and films because I don't you know, even George Carlin said there's no such thing in at least in comedy, there's no such thing as a sacred cow. If done right, anything could be made into a joke and and actually be an effective joke. Um even things that are completely in bad taste, if you say it the right way, will still evoke laughter.
2: Oh, I I agree. I think you can make uh yeah, I know it that's a like a you know, against every everything people stand for today for some reason. But I think uh, as long as you're not mean spirited and actually attacking someone, uh, I do think a lot of pe- I don't know if it's intentional that pe- or people just don't really get humor. I think it's more intentionally not wanting to get humor and the, the people act like they're offended because I, I think there's a lot of times people have to know someone's joking and they're not serious when they say something. And I don't think something said in jest should be, like, taken as, like, a literal, you know, uh, something that you actually mean on your mind.
5: What do you guys think of um, a filmmaker like Rob Zombie?
2: Uh, Troy's a pretty big uh, fan of the Rob Zombie Yeah,
5: movie. I've, I've enjoyed almost all of his films. I heard an interview with him, and this might surprise people just because they people want to judge a book by its cover, which is... There's some books that are exactly what you think inside, but most of the time you don't judge a book by its cover. He's all tatted out and a hard rocker. Everybody thinks just like Ozzy Osbourne, he bites heads off of chickens and he worships Satan and all kinds of shit. And um, I heard an interview with him where he said, well, when he moved to New York, when he was a kid, you know, a teenager, early 20s, he said almost right away from moving there, he saw a murder happen on the subway. Every almost every day, he saw mugging or some kind of an injustice. He says, "Do being in that environment and also being raised in a carnival environment, where he's seen all the you know the riggings of the games and just the the, the that side of the sleazy part of the the trailer, you know the the really low, you know way of doing stuff." He said that um, it numbed him. He says, every movie I do, I have all this anti-personal violence where people are hurting each other in horrible ways. And he says, but that's normal for me. He says, I'm not trying to be sick. I'm not trying to, you know, be an evil person or any of that kind of stuff. He says, this is the experience that I noticed in real life, and I'm just putting it with these crazy characters. Um, So, and Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper is a god in, in the rock and roll world, and He's an ordained minister. He's actually a, uh, an ordained Christian minister, and he. Uh, but he, but he still gets up there in his leathers and his and he gets up there and rocks out. He mm-hmm. never says, "I want people to hurt other people," or you know, like make uh, you know, like light like candles, do seances, and he says, "I'm just out there rocking out, man." Yeah. Yeah, always a well, big it, fan.
2: True. Troy's got to see him a bunch of times.
5: Yeah, I love Alice Cooper. Yeah. Oh, Al Cooper is We're amazing. There. And he doesn't seem like he changed today.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for calling in, Royce. And we hope to hear you for again sometime.
5: Absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I, I put that link in the group chat for the, oh, cool. uh, the film.
2: Yeah, thanks. I gave it a like. And I hope everyone else loved listening gives it a like.
3: Well done. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right. Call up again sometime. Nice talking with you.
7: Absolutely. Thanks.
2: All right. Any else there, Mr. Lindbergh? Creepy Craig. Hi. Well,
7: yeah, he definitely has a vast knowledge and a deep study for all those uh, directors. Oh, yeah. You know, but he, he said a few things. Like when, you know, um, when he was talking about uh, I Spit on Your Grave, when you think about the revenge. I mean, wasn't that like how many movies were done like that? Uh, Death Every- Wish.
4: Yeah.
7: Oh, yeah. Rambo, uh, a lot well, of good revenge stories. You know, where where someone got got wronged and then they're. You know, I think it's got a, that's,
2: Yeah, I think that's a basic uh, archetype of storytelling. You know, someone getting the revenge for for being wrong. Uh, I think the that was probably the uh, as far as I know, I could, I could be wrong, but I think I Spent a Grace probably the first like rape revenge movie.
7: Hmm. I mean, isn't Joe's the same thing? You know, we all cheered when... Oh, yeah. No, I th-
2: yeah, it's the same. I the the I think oh, it's yeah. a basic thing of someone getting the revenge for for whatever happened to them.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, God, you read uh, old Poe stuff, you know, Cask of Amontillado. Probably in the Bible. Good revenge stuff. I like a good revenge story. Yeah. Probably, Probably some the Cape Man who's like, you know... <laughs> You stole my favorite club, you bastard. Yeah,
2: GoFo stole my hunk of meat. And I hung it down <laughs> in the club to death. And I dragged his woman away by the hair and had my way with her.
3: Yeah. I saw the, the next person that, uh, jumping on the bandwagon about, uh, you know, uh, the MCU movies aren't really movies. Right. Is, uh... The goof that did uh, Independence Day, Roland
2: Emmerich. Oh, really? But boy, he's got this out. horrible
3: like, <laughs> list of movies. Like, dude, you made Godzilla with Broderick in it. Don't right. talk about any other movie.
4: Yeah.
2: It's like, okay, if Martin Scorsese, I don't agree with Martin Scorsese, but I mean, I mean, he listen, the guy's you know, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, well, I don't agree with him, but I can't like trash Martin Scorsese even. but right. yeah when it's that guy or, or <laughs> that guy especially my god Like, yeah, even I don't know if Fantasy he's ever
3: story. made a good movie so
2: no. it's like dude and James Cameron I know he's made some good but he also made I, I know a lot of people love this movie but a lot of people love uh, the Avengers yeah. so it's, but uh, is Avatar any wise Avatar in, in more of a movie than, than the Avengers
3: yeah yeah, I just I couldn't believe it when I saw this dude's name up there, and I was like, Huh, really, that guy?" Yeah,
2: I I hate this. It's I think it's just so. If you don't like these movies, it's totally fine.
3: Oh yeah, don't see them. That's you know that's like anything. If you don't right. like R. Crumb, don't buy an R. Crumb comic.
2: But if all? you go to the point where it's like, I not only do I not like it, it's not even a movie. <laughs> It's like, come on, and then and then they go even further from that. They're like, it's despicable, and we have to ha- try to stop the uh, the theaters from showing them. Oh yeah, and it's like what? I mean, such it's so snobbish. I don't know it, how anyone well, could listen to that and like, yeah, like it just <laughs> makes me like hate these people.
7: Well, I think the hardest thing is is like when I when I grew up, when I was growing up, you could go to the movies, you know and see tons of different types of movies, mm-hmm. foreign films, independence. But, you know, when it became more of a business thing is you have to have the big blockbuster that people are going to go see. Like, will people go see, will more people go see the Avengers or a Marvel movie than to go see an art film? Like you go to an art theater, an art cinema to go see an art movie. You go to an AMC theater to go see, a Marvel
2: movie. That's uh, not. It's not totally true though, because I go to I go to the theater every single week, and I actually go to AMC theater every week, and I see plenty of art movies. They they are showing there. Uh, it's just are there a lot of people in there? No. Is that the theaters keeping them away? No. It's a lot of people don't go to the movies, and obviously they're going to show movies where they make money. They can't, you know. It it's always been a business. They have to stay open. So they do not just show movies to be nice. So uh, last week when I went, there wasn't a single Marvel movie playing.
7: But there's a there's a movie theater in not far from where I live where they only had art, you know, films, and like sure. smaller movies. Yeah. Within the last couple of months, they've been showing more mainstream Hollywood blockbuster type of movies.
2: That's because the uh, people um, they they're not making enough money to support, it, you know. So I correct. think it's really more a thing of get out there and support the movie you want to see right. because, uh, wh- when, um, when Jordan Peele's, um, uh, what was his first horror movie there?
4: Oh,
2: um, uh, get out, get out, yeah. made a ton of money. Uh, it made a ton of money. Both were rated R. What did they do? They started making more R rated horror movies because people were going to see them. and they weren't making a ton of those before that were theatrical released. Because the idea was they didn't make a lot of money, so it's really just all based around if we're going to make money off this. So if people would actually go out and support the movies that that they you know they want to see, uh, there would be more of them at the theater, or they would play longer. Like I said, uh, I I wouldn't saw Jojo Rabbit in the theater. It's not like a a huge you know blockbuster movie. Uh, every every I was saw a Parasite. It's a you know foreign movie, a Korean movie. Uh, these movies play, but they don't necessarily have a ton of people in the theater watching them.
7: Maybe there isn't that many small uh, theaters around. I'm, mean, you know, I'm not lambasting anything. That's not what I'm trying to yeah. say here. Just you know, like my local cinema here is not really playing anything that's art-driven. There is a local. There's another local theater that that's their that's their thing where they. They do more art, and smaller films. So the local, you know, we just had a cinema just closed very recently. There was two movie theaters in town. One one has closed. Uh, the other one's still around, but they really show the bigger films. And they have, they have little small films, and they actually support what's called the Gold Coast Film Festival, which are all small films, foreign films, and independents and documentaries. And they use a lot of the theaters, to show those movies, and they're all across the northern part of the island. So you do have that, but you know, you go to that cinema. Like if you know, is, I, the way I look at it too, when movies are $11, $15 a pop, right. do you want to spend $15 to go see a, a big giant movie or like a little tiny movie that you could say, ah, I can get that on DVD when it comes out in a couple of months? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think yeah, I'm, I'm guilty only. of that too. Though I've I've done that before, where it's like, well, this is one I want to see on the big screen. This is one that I'm just as comfortable waiting and watching it on TV. You know, when it's on Netflix or if I can rent it or something. Mm-hmm. So I try to be supportive, but there there is that though, like the convenience and and like you say, by the time you get popcorn and everything. You know, you just paid twenty five bucks to see a movie. It's not necessarily like the best value to to see a documentary on the big screen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I want mean, to see something the, that 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 yeah it really is the big bops. screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I understand that. I but mean, it was easier you when we now?
3: had a local one. You know, like because right. we used to have the Nickelodeon in Falmouth, and it would show all the foreign films and uh, art house movies and stuff. And now I think it's a uh, like a lawn care store.
2: Yeah, it is too bad. Yeah. I I get the AMC uh, Stub Club, whatever a listing, and so it's nineteen ninety nine a month, and you can see through three movies a week. That's awesome. And so that's I go every week and see three movies. So um, so I don't I don't necessarily care, you know, like I know what you're saying, because if I if I was paying per movie, it would I would have a different thought process. But right uh, with the twenty dollars a month, uh, you know, I just go see pretty much anything that that I have interest in. It was different with the movie
3: pass, because then it was like, you know, you could go and see a movie a day if you wanted to. And that Mm -hmm. was awesome.
2: Yeah, there's also a Regal one. I think it's 21.99, and you can see as many movies as you want every month. But you're know, only at Regal Cinemas.
3: Right. Most of the theaters near us, though, are Regal, so that probably wouldn't be a bad thing.
2: Yeah.
7: I mean, that's what it, for me, that's what it really boils down to. Is like, Do I want to go see the big Hollywood movie that's meant to be seen on the big screen? Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you know, would you go see the Ten Commandments? Would it be the same if you saw sort it of Ben Hur on a big screen as opposed to your little, you know, you know, maybe? Yeah, definitely yeah, not. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And would you be willing to spend fifteen dollars in the popcorn and everything like that with a family, and you're spending one hundred and twenty dollars mm. to go to a movie theater to see? A small movie, you know, and I'm not saying, I mean, of course I'd love to support it, but it really just kind of boils down to sometimes economics. Can I afford to go see the small movie that I could say, you know, I can wait, but let's go see the big blockbuster because it's meant to be seen on the big screen. It's designed to be that way. You know, a smaller movie, you can't sort of get away with seeing on television because the scale is smaller. Mm -hmm. It's a good movie. I was going to say it's not going to be a good movie, and you're not going to walk out being a different human being, but, <laughs> yep. you know.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I'm someone who likes all different kind. I do like the big uh, – I mean, I, I, I tend not to like a lot of the big blockbuster action movies, but I do like a lot of the, you know, the Marvel movies. And uh, I like to see the stuff on the big – I like little movies. I like weird movies. I just like whatever appeals to me. But I agree, with, I mean, especially if you do have a family stuff. So it costs a lot of money. So the point is, though, I don't think you can just blame the theater because it's not. I mean, well, no. what are they going to do? I mean, no, it's, no, uh, no, they going
4: to make yeah.
2: money. Yeah. You know I mean? I mean, yeah. I don't know what the other option would be. Like, you charge less money for a smaller movie, but is that? I mean, then you're kind of playing favorites. I don't necessarily sort of think that's right either. So I don't, you know, I don't know what you do.
7: I mean, yeah. I mean, do you, do you say okay, you want to go see? the next Avengers, and you've got to pay fifteen fifty. dollars if you want to go see some smaller movie, and it's nine ninety five.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But then how do you decide that? might not that?
3: be too bad, though, actually. That might be kind of cool.
2: Yeah. I don't know how you would decide it, though, and I'm sure people would be upset. Yeah.
7: I mean, yeah, Imagine you walk to the door and you say, okay, you want to go see Avengers. Oh, that's fifteen fifty, but that other movie's nine ninety five why is that 95
3: and you know, I guess <laughs> that's true. You'd piss somebody 95. off either way. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like sometimes the, um, what, uh, what's the, uh, the group that does, they'll put out, uh, like the low run movies, like the ones that aren't like a wide release. Yeah. What
2: do you call that?
3: Fathom events. Fathom
2: events. Yeah. And
3: sometimes their movies are a little more and I don't know really why
2: yeah i don't know either i think it's just to, so it can pay for itself i guess well, maybe and sometimes you get a little extra thing
3: because when they're doing like the studio ghibli things i think like you know when we went to see like uh princess mononoke i think i think it was like two dollars more than one of their normal movies i don't really know so why that's because they're making an event yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe they get a little cut too, the Fathom Events people. Yeah. But we were still annoyed when we didn't get a poster when we went to see the Rob Zombie movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, they just stole it.
3: I think they did. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know, if if you're. If you're apparently they're, big on, on uh, apparently oh, they're okay. big on
2: eBay. What's that? Apparently they're big on eBay. The posters?
3: No, that yeah. just annoys me. Don't tell me that. I was so mad that night. I felt so cheated. It, that, uh, for a cheap ass poster. Don't ask me why.
7: Well I think we went to go see. Do you remember when they came out with the Godzilla movie when they, when the the Broderick won? I think one of the giveaways were like a was a film slip or like a strip. It was a film strip? Oh yeah, I,
4: yep. I do remember that.
7: And I never got it. Oh. And and I remember going to see Ed Wood in the theaters, and the promotion was to get a T-shirt. Went to the box office, I was like, where's my T-shirt? Oh, we're all out of them. And oh. I see the person working in the box office with like an armful of them.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much our experience. Like yeah, we saw somebody going out to their car with like 40 of them.
2: Yeah, as we walked in, and you know, we just you didn't think too much of it at the time. But then when you get in there, and they say, oh, yeah, we only had, you know, 20 of them or whatever. Like yeah, Maybe we
3: 50, and then we clowned the people in the theater, and there were only 30 people in there. It's like, oh, wait yeah. a second. The math
7: doesn't work
3: there. Yeah,
2: and I don't think most of them had one either. No. <laughs> I mean,
7: what are you going to do with an armful of t shirts that all say Ed Wood
2: on it? <laughs> He's going to try to sell them somewhere. That was yep. probably before eBay, too, so I don't know what you would have done with them.
3: Selling them on the street somewhere. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Any anything uh-huh. to rip people off, but it sucked too, because the the thing was each um each day was something else, so that day That's you got right, a and there
3: was three showings, yeah,
2: yeah, and the other the next day was like uh you got uh like a q and a and then the other one you got like a documentary, so we went on the day we got a poster. And we didn't get the poster, so we didn't even get anything. Like, at least if you went the other days, you would have got to see a uh, the Q&A or the, Q&A, the documentary. Or they showed,
3: like, or didn't one night they show, like, a double feature or something?
2: Uh, maybe, yeah, or with the other movie, yeah, is, with, uh, Devil's Rejects. Which is a
3: much better movie anyway, it would have been oh, <laughs> better yeah. off doing that.
2: <laughs> I don't think there's much comparison. Yeah, I haven't seen
7: any. You know, I'll admit I've never seen any of the really Rob Zombie movies. I haven't seen his of Rejects or any of those yet. I mean, I think I've never seen his uh, Halloween remake. That was really the only thing I guess I've seen that Rob Zombie had done. Mm-hmm.
3: Go with the animated one. El Super Bisto is a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I like it, too. It seems yeah. like uh, the minority. It seems like a lot of people hated it. Yeah. Anyway.
3: People suck sometimes. Uh-huh. Well, the titles, title would make me want to go see it. <laughs>
4: yeah,
3: it's a crazy luchador. It's just awesome.
4: Yeah.
3: A lot of animated oh, boobs can... in that,
4: too.
3: always <laughs> oh, a plus. Well, you
7: know, going back to what the guy was talking about, Lloyd Kaufman, I mean, we had a few friends, because I've never personally worked for Trauma. The movies that I've worked on have been bought up by Trauma. Mm-hmm. So and I got to meet, and... You know, Lloyd Kaufman, his whole mantra was, fat guys and farts equal funny. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Pretty much,
7: yeah. I just saw a documentary. I forgot. It might have been on Amazon or Netflix. I can't remember what it was, which was all about the history of trauma. Mm-hmm. And there's this really funny bit where there's a, a stunt that they do with a car. And it's this amazing stunt of this car flipping over it. And they liked it so much; they put it in almost every single movie after that. <laughs> <laughs> they just had to match the car. Yeah.
2: Just
3: waste nothing.
2: No, yeah. no, no. And then it became like a running joke. I think that you know that's in in a bunch of the movies. The flipping car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always well, interesting I, to talk to people who've worked for Trauma, though, because like they're either like speak really hot. It's no, like no one's just like, ah, oh, it was fine. Yeah, there's no middle ground. You're right. It's either like they, had a, they, they speak wonderfully of Troma and, uh, and Lloyd, or that is just like a nightmare.
7: And, well, he was very famous for trying to keep things in a certain budget. There was a guy I used to know years ago, like we, when I first started makeup, we were talking about actually being involved with taxi too. When he went to Japan and, okay. uh, so we were all going to be this group that were going to go to Japan. Of course, it didn't pan out that way. But uh, the joke was that he was there was a guy that was going to do a stunt where he was going to catch on fire. And the whole story was like, no, 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 we're not going to shoot it. We're just going to see it. We just want to test it out. And when he gets there to do the thing, he looks at it, He goes, what's with all the cameras? Oh, I see. You're going to tell me it's going to be a test. But you're really going to shoot it. So yes, there is that degree of that shenanigans going on. Mm-hmm. Where, but he's right. He did give a lot of people a lot of chances to direct. Uh, you know, James Gunn was one of them. You know, uh, a few others, I'm sure. That you know he if you know basically like I remember there was a contest that you could write the next Taxi movie. And, you know, he's going to take snippets of everybody's little story and make the next movie it. Yep.
3: That's actually, when you think about it, that's that's kind of kind of underhanded,
7: but pretty good thinking.
2: Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. yeah.
4: Well, Greg think... had it
7: in his movies. What was that? Uh, Greg, no, Lambertson, he had it in uh, Slime City Massacre. He had Lloyd Kaufman in it.
2: Yeah. He's also in Killer Rack, too, I believe.
7: Yeah, probably.
2: I mean, I haven't seen Killer Rack, but sure.
7: Yeah, uh, and it's um, he's having a good time.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it really comes down to the people that expected to make a lot of money.
3: All um, oh, that, yeah, you're probably right.
2: Right, and then the people who who didn't wasn't really didn't think they'd make money, but they're worried. They were just more uh, looking for the experience. <laughs>
7: I think I tell you many years ago I worked with F. Murray Abraham, uh, and he was he was a teacher at uh, I think at NYU at the time, and he was saying how he was teaching acting, and I remember this was a very long time ago. This was maybe mid '80s, and he was saying how a lot of the students he was getting, though they wanted to be actors, they all really were doing it not because. Not all of them were doing it because they loved the acting, but they were all looking for the accolades, you know, the, the you know, the B stars. Okay. And he was a little disappointed with that they were not coming in for the love of the acting, but the love of a, what you get from being an actor. So maybe it's the same thing with a director. Like you come in, you think like you're going to be famous, you're going to be doing all these mm. things, and it's such a small percentage that really do make it. That way, but it doesn't mean you can't be successful in other ways. I mean, you know, when you know, not many of us can say, "Yeah, Mimo, you're going to be doing something, new, aren't you?" Very soon, aren't you?
2: Yep, yep. Next month. Nice.
7: So, so you can. So you can. You know, are you going to wear the? Are you going to wear the those those pants with the with the flaring out legs and the riding crop? <laughs> I, don't hat,
2: so, I don't believe. so. don't Oh, you better. Yeah. It would be pretty know. cool, though.
3: <laughs> Neely Demille.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: he just the wants a director's cool. chair, man. That's all he wants.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not the official director. I'm a oh, producer okay. on it. I'm also going to be in it. I, mean, I have a lot of ideas that are being used in the movie.
7: Okay, so you getting a writer's credit?
2: Uh, not a writer's credit, but I'm producing credit on it. I already wow. uh, filmed some stuff uh, actually uh last uh last month in um during Rock and Shock weekend. Was our first uh filming. Filmed some stuff with uh John Dugan. Um John Dugan, Dan Yeager, and uh Bill Johnson. Nice. They all have That's us really cool. they all have cameos in it. I don't think we're well, supposed to say too much about it. Doing it and you're doing it,
4: you know. It's yeah, very say.
2: exciting. Very excited about it. You know what the people that uh, I did the short with?
7: Do I get to cry
3: in it?
2: Well, you're gonna. Uh, we also be doing stuff in uh, in Charlotte. So, uh, right. if you go on to Charlotte, you can also uh, do something.
3: I thought maybe I'd be the crying guy in all your movies.
2: All right, that'd be I good. Just
3: start to weep. Yeah,
2: I, I like that idea. I'll never
3: speak. I'll just People weep. Are like,
2: Man, you don't really like seeing his brother cry. Yep,
3: just yep. There's man. some kind of perverse pleasure you get from that. <laughs> Just watch it, it over so cool. and over in a loop, you
2: know. Yeah, that, that. I do watch it. That that one, that one second thing in the loop. Like hell yeah, those tears. <laughs> it's not like I want to see like in in like real pain, just yeah. emotional. It's, it's, distress. Yeah, I understand.
3: I understand mm-hmm. completely.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's not like I want to see that, like getting you mutilated in the movie. No,
3: no, don't. No, you know tack welder to the testicles or anything,
2: right? So I think it's all good.
3: I'm with you. Yeah. I I discovered something last month. Well, somebody showed it to me, and uh, I did not know that Bill Hader did the best Vincent Price impression. Oh, really? I was completely unaware.
7: And I used to do that
3: on SNL. Yeah, that's what it was. It was like the uh, the the Price uh, like Halloween, Halloween specials, special. and right. they're tremendous deal. You got to watch them; they're so good. And I was like, "Wow! I don't think anyone's ever done a Vincent Price impression that I remember." He
7: was, he was phenomenal when he did Pacino.
3: Oh my God! We just watched that. Alan one. Alda. Oh, I don't think anyone else has done an Alan Alda besides him.
7: He is he amazing, Alan Alda?
3: But like, the, the Al Pacino was so good on. Um, it was the Charlie Brown one that we watched. It was like you're a rat bastard, Charlie Brown, and <laughs> and so hater is Al Pacino playing Charlie Brown. It's great. <laughs>
2: So What did you, did you just like go on a on a hater binge or something? I did,
3: I did. Well, somebody had told me about you know, oh, you must love the uh, the Vincent Price specials from Saturday Night Live, and I'm like, no, I didn't know such a thing existed. And so then we popped them up on YouTube, and we spent like you know an hour just watching them. They were fabulous.
2: Oh, okay. That's pretty. So I've never anybody seen anybody walking
3: myself. by. I had to grab and say, "Hey, come look at this!" And they're like, "Who's Vincent Price? Shut up! Just sit oh, down and watch God.
7: it." Yeah, there was a, there's a few years that they would do a Halloween show at SNL, and then there was a there was a time where the Saturday before Halloween there wasn't a show, so they could do really a Halloween show. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so when when they did have it, he always did the price Halloween special
3: so then they have everybody deal like all the like all of his guests are all like you know contemporaries of the time, so like uh I don't know the guy, but some guy was uh James Mason and uh you know it it was just great. you got to watch them they're really, really good.
2: Sounds good to me.
7: And he was a great impressionist. He really was. He told the stories that he was like a PA. He started as a PA. Oh, Bill so, hey, Hader, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he told us great stories when he first started. Yeah, he was. Uh, I forgot which show it was on. Maybe it was one of the Terminator movies. I can't remember which one. But no, he was a uh, he was a production assistant at one time. Mm. So he, you know, I can't remember all the. I don't remember the stories, but he told us like. You know, I have a coffee for people and things like that. Uh, and he talks That's
2: pretty awesome. It. And he's become so big. Oh yeah, really well, good dramatic rich. actor too. Yeah, and yeah, I never yeah, knew. You know, I it's...
3: never knew he uh, he did these like crazy great impressions.
2: Yeah, I had no idea. I'm gonna oh, yeah. I'm gonna seek these out.
7: Yeah, you'll dig them. Oh yeah, you, I... you know, definitely see his Alan Alda and well, the Pacino he's dated as of. He used to do the Pacino as a sketch, but the older he do is like you know what these people do in like um, screen tests when they have all the cast members play like the actors doing a screen test for something that didn't fit who they were. Mm
4: -hmm. But he
7: does like like I said, if you if you close your eyes and listen to him doing out all the he's like fucking out and all the so cool, so good.
3: But then some of the people, like, uh, not as good. Like, I think one guy, all he did was, like, a Sinbad impression over and over. And he'd just show up on every skit doing a Sinbad impression. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, like, wearing a little thin.
2: A Sinbad impression? Was he talking about his uh, his dreamy movie?
3: I think he was. Oh, my God, that didn't really exist. Oh, no. You didn't misremember it. It's an alternative dimension.
7: <laughs> huh? what was that movie? The one that Shaq did where he was oh, like a superhero. Kazam.
3: Oh. oh, well he did, he did the genie one Kazam and then he was in steel, which he was that's like, oh, yeah. Man.
2: that's a, well, that's a, that's a superhero movie that no one talks about. <laughs> no, but that was an MCU. So that's real cinema.
3: Yep. That was, that was better. <laughs> When they killed off Superman and then brought him back as, like, five different Supermen, and they all sucked, and so they went back to Superman. <laughs> <laughs> like a goofy little kid and then a laser Superman.
2: I remember the death of Superman being a big comic at the time. I think I still have mine somewhere. It's probably not worth it. I remember it was worth something for a little while, but it's probably not worth anything now.
3: Yeah. I'm just watching. I don't know. Like, sometimes I'll go on these crazy, like, YouTube binges. And so one place had all the Harlan Ellisons watching from the old sci-fi buzz. And Ellison goes off on that when they were killing off Superman. And he's like, "Uh, folks, here we go. We're going to go back, like, you know, on a history trip. And he had every, like, D.C. Superman issue where they killed off Superman. (laughs) And there were, like, 50 of them over, you know, like a 70-year period. Yeah. Or 60 years or whatever it was. Like so don't get too excited cuz uh yeah they're probably going to bring him back.
2: Mhm. Uh-huh. Did I think they did they bring back Wolverine cuz I know that was a big deal in the comic when they killed Wolverine?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I assume so, I imagine so. I'm I'm yeah. so out of the loop now. I don't don't really know what's going on in the comic scene.
4: Yeah, I don't know either.
7: going back from dimension
2: 2248? Two, two, <laughs> Wolverine. Yeah. I always I don't like that in any in any uh, any form when they when you fake people's death or start bringing people back. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna kill somebody off, you got to keep them dead.
7: Right, right. Well, remember when they killed up Jean Grey? That was a oh yeah. Thing, remember that? Yep. And then they brought her back.
3: Those are those great like uh, Dave Cockrum and John Byrne issues. Those are so good. Then they screwed them up in the movies so badly.
2: Yeah, you know, those, those, have those,
7: a hate
3: the
2: those X-Men I aren't very good. What is it?
7: See, a lot of people hate the third one. The the, the ones with, uh, with Hugh Jackman and uh, Marsden and Frankie oh, all those original trilogies. I didn't mind the third one. I thought it wasn't terrible at all. But a lot of people were hating on it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was good.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that one. I've seen these later ones, and I, I didn't really care for them. I, I do like Logan. I think Logan's really good.
3: Yeah, Logan's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really dug that one.
2: Yeah, I didn't care for the well, uh, the Dark Phoenix.
3: That was the newest one, right? Yeah. Well, I think the other one's going to be even worse, so because they've had that on the shelf now for two years, the
2: New Mutants movie. Oh, really? there's another one. I'm
3: afraid so. Uh, was it Fox? Is that who was making the X-Men movies? I think so. Yeah, they they made uh, the, the Dark Phoenix and the New Mutants like two years ago, and they had the Dark Phoenix on the shelf for a year. And I don't know why they've... So this other one's really going to be a stinker because they've waited and waited and waited to put this one out. And it's kinda like a horror movie slash little kid X Men movie. And it's got the uh, oh, the other girl from uh, Game of Thrones has uh, the assassin girl. Mm-hmm. Who who was that?
7: Was it Maisie Williams? Is that her name? I think I so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Was she
3: Sansa or was the other sister Sansa?
7: Area, whatever. Oh my god. Oh, to, yeah, always the always other star girl. <laughs>
3: Aria, yeah, I think so.
7: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. She, uh, I think she might be Wolvesbane. I'm not sure, but she's one of the new mutants in that one. Look up the trailer. It looks like a bunch of crap.
7: Well, it's like we were talking about before, like probably the best Fantastic Four was the Corman one.
4: <laughs> exactly.
3: Yep. That's why I'm hoping now that that the MCU has the rights to that. Like The FF definitely deserves a good movie. So let's give him a good movie. I want the fucking Mole Man in it, too.
2: (laughs) God damn it. There hasn't been a a Mole Man, has there? No, it's always
3: Doctor Doom, man. It's like, you know, and I usually screw him up. Mm -hmm. So try fresh. Go fresh and new. Go with the Mole Man like or a Nihilist. Tell me how cool that would be in a movie form.
2: I think Mole Man would be good to start with, and then you, then yeah. you, you build up to that.
3: Yeah, because if like they it. kept well, like, what is it?
7: I was going to say, well, in the Incredibles two kind of did, kind of did the Mole Man kind
4: of oh, thing. Oh yeah, yep. Ooh.
3: I want the mole man. I want Lawrence Harvey as my mole man. I like it. Get Lawrence on the horn. Tell him he's going to get some Disney money. I'm sure he's not going to put up a fight.
2: They're saying Colin Farrell is going to be the new Penguin, which uh, I don't know. I don't really see that. (laughs) That seems like an
3: odd choice.
2: Yeah, I mean, who knows until you watch it. But just the idea of him as a Penguin doesn't really uh, sound good. No, I'm not I really a big Colin it. Farrell fan to begin with,
7: but, uh, he seems to no. be an odd choice. Yeah. yeah. Big time.
2: Cause they said, uh, who's the guy who played Gollum and stuff?
3: Oh, Andy Circus. Oh.
2: Yeah. He's going to play Alfred. And cause I saw it said Colin Farrell and, and, uh, Andy Circus are playing Alfred and, uh, and the penguin. So in my mind, I was like, Oh, Andy Circus is a penguin. I can see that. Okay. And Colin Farrell's Alfred. That's cool. Whatever. But it was it was reversed. It was Andy Serkis as Alfred and Colin Farrell's the Penguin. Oh, well, that's strange. Yeah,
3: there's I mean, one sure. thing. That's the other thing I wanted to tell you guys about, and you just reminded me when you said Andy Serkis in the Land of Trailers. You guys must also look up the. Uh, there's a new Christmas Carol, and the yeah. BBC's making it.
2: Yeah, and, and they said to uh, be a straight up horror movie. It looks
3: fucking amazing. It's by the people that make Peaky Blinders. So really? I think it's going to be wicked dark. And Andy Circus is uh, the ghost of Christmas past,
4: mm-hmm.
3: who's usually a dapper little person or a, a woman and always bright and lovable. And yeah, and he's not. He looks kind of like like Gandalf on crack in
4: this. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And Tom Hardy's in it, so this is how hardcore this is. He's Tiny Tim. I just made that shit up. No, no, he's not, but he is in it. I don't know what character he is.
2: Yeah, I love it.
3: And who's um? Oh, the Australian actor. uh, He was in Iron Man three. It's in that really cool movie where it's in reverse. Um, Guy Pearce. Mm. He he plays uh,
2: Scrooge. Oh, that's a good Scrooge.
7: Yeah. He's like the best-looking hey, Scrooge. I like, know uh, what
2: Dave put in that
7: one. He plays. Sorry. That was a joke. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I like I There's not too many uh, versions of The Christmas Carol I don't like, so I'm always Same happy there. to see like a new one.
3: But this one looks like especially dark, and they're doing it in three parts. So I think it's going to be like a total, of like three hours long. So oh, nice! Should be pretty wild. Yeah. So I'm looking nice forward course. to it. I hope it
7: doesn't suck.
2: Yeah, I agree. Sounds good to me. All right.
7: Tim Burton doing it, directing. i would be kind of a dark version of it.
3: True, but that would be weird.
2: Yeah. So uh I don't want to say too much because right, it opens tomorrow or probably tonight. But I saw it last week and that's uh, Doctor Sleep. And I'm probably in the minority cuz it seems like people are somebody even said, told me they cried after the movie, but um I was not a fan of Doctor Sleep. It's not a terrible movie.
3: All right, I'm going to go
2: see it this weekend. I think uh I think the main guy's good. is is uh is Danny. Mhm. I think there's too much, uh, like, hey, look, it's a ghost from The Shining stuff. There's a lot of that in the movie. A lot of it's CG. It's kind of goofy. Too many lookalikes. Like, there's a lot of lookalikes playing roles from The Shining. One oh, particular really? one that I think is very bad. Um, I didn't like the villain. I know a lot of people do. See, because in the book,
3: the villain's just awesome. I love her whole little group of people. They're like this weird, you know, wandering gypsy pack kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I'm not, not a fan of them. Okay. I don't like her hat. I, think she looks I love like, her hat. Like her hat's some, the ball. just like, like out of like a Molly Ringwald movie or something from the 80s.
3: See, I thought I thought, if anything you would like She's the hat The anyway. Breakfast
2: Club. I don't know. She looks like she should be in The Breakfast Club.
3: Cause she's got she's got the little uh, the little top hat, you know.
2: Yeah, that's
3: what he describes in the book.
2: Not a fan. All right. I don't understand why they go back to the to the Overlook. Just other than let's go let's show this for people. Go like hell yeah! It's the fucking hotel. But I don't know. I think I'm the minority. People are seeming to love it. All
3: right, I'm hoping that. Just the way you've described things, so I'm, I'm just hoping that they didn't add too much. Like if they tried to appease everybody and made like a blend of movie and book.
2: It's definitely a lot of the movie.
3: The Is movie. it? Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, that might be a problem then. But we'll have to see.
2: I'll, I'll, I know Stephen I'll, King likes it, but he, he just likes everything. Yeah, now. but I think he likes he the likes leprechaun
3: money. movies, you know. Right. He likes – I think he just is entertained by anything.
2: Yeah. I'll, I don't know when the last movie that's made off his books came out that he didn't like. Maybe it was The Shining. It could have been. It's, yeah, everything's It's the greatest. Thing. And sometimes, like, hell, yeah, he's right. This And sometimes, like, come on, dude. This wasn't that great.
3: <laughs> yeah, did you even watch this, man? Come
2: on. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I was. it. I've seen
3: a lot worse movies. But you've seen better ones too. Yeah,
2: and I don't know. It's a follow-up to iconic movie. Uh, I'd much rather watch The Shining. I mean, I mean, I know it's like hard to top, but <laughs> I know, wasn't wasn't a big fan. Okay. All right.
3: Maybe next week we'll have to have a discussion on this when I go see
2: All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. What the, I I hey, I'm gonna tell everyone out there go see the new Terminator. I thought it was excellent. People, some people are mad. So a lot of people are mad because women are in it. It's like it's a social justice war movie. <laughs> and there's a Mexican guy. Uh, oh good dear God, no. there's also there's also um you know, uh Arnold Schwarzenegger. The one person I okay. This is this was, honestly, I don't want to insult anybody. This was the dumbest criticism I've ever read for any movie. He said he didn't like it because Arnold Schwarzenegger says one-liners. And I was like, so you didn't like any, this, you couldn't have liked any Terminator movie. Or you couldn't have liked any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie yeah, that's, that's ever been made. True. Wow. Oh, it's, yeah. too, it's too silly. And he teams up with, uh, you know... With a human, like so. You didn't so so that happened in Terminator Two. That yep happened in T two. And as far as women, it's the same woman that's in the first two movies. <laughs> the one guy's like, "Yeah, but Terminator Three was good because there was two women, but now there's three women." And I was like, "Oh my
3: god!" And gosh. that's just too many women when you I get
2: to three women. Right. I guess he's like, "It's just like uh, the." Endgame, game when there when there's all the women in the Avengers. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah, I
7: thought that was a cool scene.
2: I did
4: yeah. too. Wow. That was really cool.
2: There's something weird about you if you're just so worried about like you're just like counting the amount of women in the movie. I don't know.
4: Yeah, you got too I much.
7: Time some people on on your look hands. at it as as like a okay. You know what I mean? Like some people don't see it as. I had a discussion about this with my friend because he had that sort of negative view about it. He thought it was like, oh, they put it in there because, you know, they had to put it in there. Like like they didn't put it in there because they were trying to do something. They were putting it in there because they had an agenda to put it in there. And it wasn't like it was a cool, but it was like, oh, we'll we'll put all the women in and make everyone happy. But I thought it was like I didn't see it that way. I just thought it was like a really cool scene. Yeah yeah the females i thought it was just really cool
2: yeah i agree i was like i thought this was a good movie i mean uh i i, I don't know i thought it was the best one uh since terminator 2 i'd put it right up there with t2 nice i haven't seen t2 no. for a while so t2 might be you know might be a little better if, I, if i'd watch it again but uh it's definitely the best sequel since it's the best one since the first two for sure yeah
7: that's going to be I, – I, I might go see it then I haven't had a chance. It's hard for me to go to the cinema, the cinema, so um, it would be kind of cool to go see something that I will enjoy and walk out going. Okay, that was really cool. You know, because I've seen The Joker, and did have Mickey Riedemann on that other time, which is cool to have her talk about it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the first movie in a while that I've seen twice.
2: Yeah, I loved it. It's. It's. It's, it's got – it's – Gonna be up there for one of my favorite movies of the year. It's is really good. It's an excellent movie. You mm-hmm. haven't seen it yet, Trey, have you?
3: I haven't. I still have to oh, see man. that. It's so one. good. I'm so like backtracked on
7: stuff.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, I master. mean, it's
7: funny because we talk about a movie about whether you should go see it. Like that's not a like that's not a big big film. Like it's not like big explosions or anything mm-hmm. like this. But there is something—a sense of seeing that kind of a movie in the cinema.
3: Oh, definitely, yeah.
7: You know, in in a theater, it's like you know you probably will. You know, you'll probably get a sense of some. It's 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 a big movie in a small way. mm mm-hmm. uh, Because of the performances. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something I would say definitely go. You know, pay the money, go see. it yeah. Go see in the theater.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely have to see that one too.
7: And then uh, next
3: week the Disney Plus streaming channel starts. So they got the Boba That's Fett show going on from it. Mm-hmm. Is that the Mandalorian. Yep.
2: I'm I'm for it. I like the new uh, Star Wars stuff. I know uh, I didn't like the last movie, but uh, I, overall I like them. Yeah, I like the, the other ones. Now, they're way better than than the prequel trilogy.
7: Yeah, those I yeah, never I need it. to see again.
2: <laughs> yeah,
7: I like The Last Jedi then more than I like The Force Awakens.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't like Last Jedi. It was the only one I didn't really care for. But I, Actually, my favorite of those ones, I think, were probably I really like Solo, which a lot of people didn't like. And Yeah, um,
3: I ended up, I loved Solo.
2: Yeah, and, and Rogue One, I really liked.
3: I think Rogue One yeah, was love- my
7: favorite. Yeah, I liked, I liked Solo. I didn't care too much about Rogue One too much. I mean, it was fun, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's like sometimes I just see them rehashing the same things. Like when Force Awakens, oh, there's, okay, they're, they get into the Millennium Falcon. Okay, how about that? They just have to find the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It's been sitting there for ages, but it still works. Um, they go through a trench. They got to blow up a Death Star. Bigger Death Star, but still a Death Star. They got to go inside of a yeah. big
2: thing. You know, that's it really like it. is a. Um, it really is the same story as. Uh, yeah. The, as the first, well, whatever they want to call it. Now the fourth movie, but it's the same <laughs> story as the first movie. New Hope. Yeah, I'll never get used to calling it New Hope. It'll just be Star Wars to me forever. <laughs> Star Wars. I mean, somewhere
7: down, somewhere on the internet, you can actually find so the footage of when there's always that part in the beginning of the movie where he, he sees the fighting going on and Big Star comes up to him and says, oh, I'm going to go join the rebellion tomorrow. And there's actually, there is footage of it. I saw mm. it online. And, huh. I mean, it was never, it wasn't, it was never finished and cleaned up, but it does exist. Mm. So he did shoot that part. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, not, nothing to me was like Star Wars. That movie, forget about. It. I think I saw that movie like dozens of times. Oh yeah. But all the shit, all yep. the toys. Same here. I, I had the, the bedspread, uh, Dixie cut. I mean, I had everything there. You know, I still have them. I still have a lot of my sets left over. I still have a small headed hand Solo. Oh know, man, tiny head. You know, and I think a friend of mine has that, uh, the walrus man, where they oh, yeah. could to deal with the blue walrus I man. He's got that.
3: Yeah, I think that was the first series of toys where, you know, you were looking for certain ones.
7: Yeah. yeah. I remember going to Toys R Us when I was actually into collecting toys. I went to a local Toys R Us and I had, uh, there was a, a magazine called Toy Fair.
4: Oh, yeah. Yep, that was the
7: best. They had the list of all the toys and the defects and what to look for. And I had the book, and next to me was a guy that says, oh, yeah, I'm doing it too. But I have a friend who's pulling these things for me in the back.
4: Oh.
7: Um, yeah, he had someone who was making an in who was collecting, who was yeah. pulling out certain toys for him out of the big stock and then keeping them aside for him. I'm looking for like the D shots Okay, this one's supposed to have three dots, but this guy only has two <laughs> and it's
4: supposed to have three.
7: You know.
3: It's always good to have that friend.
7: You know, take yeah, like yeah, the yeah.
3: chase, figure out,
7: and
4: save it for you
7: or mm-hmm. something. I mean, correct. I mean I haven't I mean I haven't done that in years, collect toys. But I was into that for a while. I think I had like about ten or like hundred gallon tubs. With toys in my garage. <laughs> nice. nice. Just
3: with the old Star Wars ones or different things or
7: Star Wars comic books. Nice. <laughs> um, model kits. up. Pe- oh, old <laughs> magazines, old mad magazines, crack nice. magazines, dialogue, uh, famous monsters.
3: Yeah, you you lived my childhood.
7: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still was able to keep them, surprisingly enough, a lot of the stuff I kept. I was able to keep it.
3: Me too. They the only uh-huh. thing, the old models, like the old, uh, what were they, Revell? They made, like, the best uh, a series of universal monster models. And I think I will all them. Aurora, right, right, there you go. Our dog ate them because we found out they were rawhide.
2: Really? Yeah. That would have been one I should have asked the guy if they would ever do, an Aurora Models one.
7: Oh, that would be
4: sweet. Mm
7: -hmm. Well, there was a new company um, called Atlantis. Like, I I went to the thing called Wonderfest this year, um, which is a big model kit convention that they have in Louisville. And there's a, a company called Cult TV Man that has all these model kits. Um, and they have updates, and there's a company called Atlantis, which has bought some of the molds. Oh, no kidding. The series, oh,
4: wow. And they just
7: re-released the Phantom.
4: Ooh, that and- one was a great one.
7: Right. And there's a guy who makes, like, if you remember the box art, mm-hmm. did not necessarily match the kit. <laughs> exactly. But there's a Right, but there's a guy that actually makes kits that follow the box art. Oh, wow. they expensive. Um, and then there's all these other ones. But, uh, it's actually pretty cool. There's uh, these guys that make just like the heads.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, so you can swap can the head?
7: Oh, nice. Right, you can get the head out. There's one, some guy makes a Peter Boyle head from Young Frankenstein.
3: Oh, that's sweet.
7: And you can and, and has a Madeline Kahn one, so oh. there's a model kit of of the of the creature with the Bride of Frankenstein sitting on a couch, and you can twist <laughs> out the heads and you can have Peter Boyle and Madeline Kahn's head. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, so they always be you know, making use of these. So they're
3: Atlantis models. That's the new one.
7: The, the company's called Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, okay. they, they they come out with a lot of the. Spaceship ones and uh, historical ones like the Winterlander. They've been coming out with some of those, but they did come out with the um, the Phantom. I don't know if they're going to come out with any of the other monsters, but right now they have that one. And there's wow. a company called, well, you know, called Limburg Line.
4: Uh-huh.
7: Um, no, no relation, but they released all the old Pirates of the Caribbean kits. Some of these skeleton ones that had stop action. Mm-hmm. They Did the glow-in-the-dark
3: jazz, too, right, didn't they? Correct.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, that's the so best. They they, yeah, they re-released all those kits. Um, And now they're coming out with, I think, some of the Haunted Mansion
4: kits, too.
3: Oh, oh, oh.
4: this so is wrong. The this thematic.
3: isn't good.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
7: Of course, so you know it's 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 really it's really good. and then you get all the Star Trek and Star Wars they they, they keep coming out with those and Bandai and oh uh,
3: Bandai's know. not right because I saw like the um, Starship Yamato one that they had from uh, Star Blazers and it's just unbelievably cool it's yeah. Because every time that they make one, and you think, "Wow, it can't get any better than that," and then they make like a bigger, better one. I think the one they have now, you can move the guns like individually with like a remote control, and wow. the uh, yeah, it was just ridiculous. I I don't even want to know how much
7: that thing was. Oh my god! I mean, we just got. I got one that has uh, lights. The lights come installed. Oh. and um I just got that and I, uh, yeah, I, I mean I, if if I ever retire I have a model kit per day. A <laughs> you know,
4: I I'd be making that thing
3: doing the you know, like uh Wild Star, fire the wave motion gun. You know, one of those right. things.
4: <laughs>
3: Captain Avatar. He was the man. Captain Actually I was a later Deathlock man. That was he was my guy.
7: Yeah, Deathlock. I just thought it was yeah. always funny when the guys would chant his name.
3: Oh, yeah, I, was I was just like thinking that. that. Yeah, yeah, yep.
7: Yeah, like it's like this one. Yeah. I the Never trust a man who, who laughs at his own jokes. I love Deathlock
4: yeah. awesome.
7: <laughs> did you see the live-action movie?
3: No, I haven't seen that.
2: I didn't even know there was one.
7: I didn't either. Yeah, they did a,
2: a few years
7: ago. They did a live-action oh. Yamato film. Oh,
3: sweet. I'm going to have to look
4: for that one. Is it
7: good? It's the same premise. It's a little different, the way the story works and how it ends and the premise behind it, Um, but it's...
4: They're still going to Iskandar,
7: though? Yeah, it's the same thing. Nice. Why why they go, why they have to do what they have to do, but some of the, you know, I mean, some of those shots of the ships... The ships are very different. You know, the yamato looks the same. I think mm-hmm. the Earth Defense Force ships look the same. But the Gamelon or the Gamelas, depending if it's Japanese or English. Oh, yeah. They look very different. They look oh, okay. very, they're different. They're not
3: blue guys, guys anymore.
7: Yeah, they're All not right. they're not blue guys. They're, they're huh. like energy creatures. So there's oh, wow. no you know, you know, no no Zordor or whatever his name was. Uh definitely that's awesome. Yeah, I think Sardor was the
3: Comet Empire guy.
7: Yeah, I think so. We're
3: leaving Mother Earth.
7: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I love that. That was the best. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was good shit. That was was cool. They did a good live
4: action of, um... Oh,
3: uh... Samurai X, um... Roroni Kenshin, the live-action, they made a couple of movies. They were really, really good. Like the sword fights in them and stuff, or Dynamite.
7: Mm, yeah, I mean, I was more like the anime. You know, like I used to watch... Uh, there used to be, when I was a kid, when like in the 70s in New York, uh, Channel 47 was is routinely a Spanish channel. Now it's all Spanish channel. But it was a Japanese... Company I used to lease the time from, I think, from seven thirty to eleven thirty on Saturdays, and I used to watch a lot of the Japanese uh, cartoons, animation, like, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, um, Captain Harlo- uh, Herlock, oh, yeah. and yep, and Cyborg Zero Nine, and Galaxy Express, and Grandizer,
3: uh, and all that movies. shit. Hmm. All that good shit, like Grandizer and stuff.
4: Yeah, what do they yeah. They call that the so Force
3: Five. They had like the whole. I think each day because they had it on after school here, and like it would be a different one each day. So it was like Grandizer and the Great Mazinga, and I forget what their their group. They were like the uh, Three Musketeers. Can't remember what they were called.
7: Oh, yeah, yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. They were like cyborgs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know the one you're talking about, but I don't remember the name of it, you know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they used to have all that. That's where it's like like Rite one of the big robot series. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. These model kits are
3: too cool. These are not right at all.
7: The Bandai one?
3: Yeah, all of these ones. I was looking at the Atlantis ones. They're even doing the uh, Big Daddy Roth like cartoon ones.
7: Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm.
3: were great, too. I used to have the whole set of those.
7: Yeah, some lot of, lot of stuff still coming out again. Damn. You can read with your childhood. Yep, yep. That's what I've been doing. I will continue
3: my childhood.
7: <laughs> hmm. I've been buying all those kits. I bought all the Pirates of the Caribbean kits again. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, There's one
3: other model company, and they make. Because um, I was fascinated a little while back, because um, they made a uh, Shield helicarrier, and it was just dynamite.
7: Fantastic plastic.
3: That's it, exactly. And they have even like the old Buster Crab, um, mm-hmm. Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon spaceship, stuff. and and the Ming one. And I was like, oh my god, yep. that blew my mind.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they a lot of kits have been retired. Like I just bought like one of the one of the helicopters from Avatar. But they nice. had all the Avatar chips and uh, someone's supposed to be coming out with a Firefox kit soon. Oh. Yeah, they, they had a
3: ton of different things that kind of blew my mind.
7: Yeah, if you go to if you go to Federation Models, that's another place that's got a lot of sci fi kits.
3: All right, the girlfriend's gonna hate you for telling me this stuff.
2: Uh, it's okay. <clears throat> yeah, they got some old stuff here. They got like Flash Gordon's rocket ship and yeah, that thing's badass, isn't it? And yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, now with the advent of 3D printing, you can basically download anything. Oh,
4: yeah, you're right. That's true.
3: No more kit bashing now.
7: No, no. no. They have, um, you know, the guys at SNL, they have a like a printer that cost them like less than 400 bucks. And it's amazing that they come out with. It's always yeah, another thing week. Oh, great. Thing? Yeah. For three hundred bucks, I'm like, well, maybe that won't be so bad.
4: I, <laughs>
7: <laughs> you know, I can wait four hours for a thing to print out. That's okay. You know,
3: yeah, just really let cool, it go. Why right? uh, go to yeah. sleep? Do your own thing, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's no, pretty cool. cool. I'll even have a uh, 2001. The model that's pretty nice.
3: Oh, yeah, I think they might do some, uh, some Buck Rogers things, too. Like, they're all over the place.
7: They just came out with some, they're coming out with the, from the old UFO show.
4: Oh, the wow. The Man Hopper.
7: They just, they just came out with that one. Yeah, much of a geek I am, I watch. I go to this site all the time. You know, see what new stuff they have.
3: I knew it's as soon as I mentioned, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier, like, oh, yeah, that's this, page seven.
4: Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
5: Although
3: I'm still classic. working on, uh, on what the hell is it, Captain Jack Sparrow ship.
7: Oh, the uh, Black Pearl?
3: Yep, that's what I'm working on right now.
4: Oh, really? Yeah, the, cool.
3: the rigging is insane on it, though. I had never done a model kit that was like a level 10 thing,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: I understand why this sucker's a level 10 thing. <laughs> it was fun painting all the cannons, though, because there's only a million of them.
7: So is the rigging real? Real?
3: Um, yeah, they real, give you a s- or- they give you string to uh to do it then you've got to follow all these insane like i i wish i was a boy scout at one time maybe i'd know how to tie better knots <laughs> luckily i'm a bondage freak so i do know a little bit about
7: it. <laughs> wow that must be crazy just to be that real oh it is
3: it's really nuts amazing. but then once i'm finished with it i got to look for some uh some HO gauge like pirates, and then kind of maybe do a little putty on them or something, try to get some of the pirates on there.
7: Well, that would be awesome.
3: Yeah, it should be fun.
7: That's so cool. I mean, I have on my workbench because uh, they broke, I have the Godzilla and the Rodan. They got nice. knocked off the shelf, so I'm repairing those. Oh. I have one of the pirates from. That series that I have to finish. Um, they're just sitting on my shelf. I haven't, you know, my, my little makeup. Making sorry, uh, my little model kit station, and I just have to nice. have a chance to kind of tweak them. I don't know. Do they
3: still uh, make any of the ones with the spring-loaded thing? Because I remember like a few of the pirates.
7: You could it. like, one oh,
3: watching. is it? I love those. Those were the best. Action.
7: Yeah, they 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 they, re- they they re-released every single one of those kits. Holy shit! And I think to... they made a
3: Vampirella that I never found anywhere back in the day.
7: Yeah, they have that's that's Aurora the monster scenes out of Vampirella. Oh. You can find it. All the right, victim,
3: find that the Dr. victim Getty. too that I remember seeing that in their old catalog like a million years ago.
7: Mhm. You can. They they re-released all those things. Awesome.
3: Well, this pleases yeah. me. I'm gonna have to retire and just start doing this shit.
7: <laughs> they
3: still well, have you
2: know, <laughs> Well,
7: if you go to these conventions, you know, like I said, like I was, I just went to one recently called Jersey Fest, which is, you know, same thing. All these model makers and uh, stuff is incredible. You know, the two foot tall monster from Pietro Blancas done by Joe LaDowdy. Wow. You know, it was a great sculptor and does all the old habits a
4: bunch of
7: kits. Mm-hmm. But they're all resin kits. Ooh. So they're, yeah, it's beautiful stuff. If you have the money for it, oh, yeah. Oh, that's the thing. We,
3: we got this great um, Elric resin um, from Cota years ago. And it's like I don't I don't know who the artist was that sculpted it, but it's just dynamite. It's just one of the best things that I've ever seen. But it was a bitch to put together though. I'm not used to working like trying to put like a resin kit together. hmm And like the the CA that I had was more like American superglue, so it like didn't really bond as well as I was hoping.
7: And nice. there's so
3: many like really fine detailed things. It's it was crazy, but we finally got it together and painted. It looks pretty cool.
7: I still have my old uh, Ghost Rider vinyl kit unmade. Nice, nice. And that has all the little spikes. That's the. That's not the. Uh, that's not that's not the blaze one. It's the later one because it's got the chest with all the spikes on it. Oh, okay.
4: Uh, I like that so look though. Yeah,
7: the skull face is awesome, man. That looks really cool. Perfect. You know, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I got all those old kits. You know, um, yeah, they're all put in. They're all in a box somewhere. Nice. I figured, you know, eventually I might just throw them up on the internet and try to sell them to maybe pay off part of, you know, pay off a month's worth of mortgage.
4: Or <laughs> yeah, because there's no way that. I'm gonna get
7: to them. I think the
3: Spider-Man one had, uh, like, Craven the Hunter, like, webbed on the floor.
4: Yes.
7: And Spider-Man yes, was right. the, on the
3: stairs or something?
7: Right. He was on a, he was on a rail, like a stairwell okay. rail. And he's, yep. and he's shooting the web on him. And he was, on the, he was like a relief on the ground. Yes, absolutely. And I remember I had an original, and then they re-released it with a page from the comic book. And that oh, was yeah.
3: Yep. I do remember that, too. That was, that was cool as hell. You That's what Power Records would do in like the, uh, you could get the uh, LPs and the the comic book and you would read along with the, uh, with the album. It was pretty neat. Well, they were like little forty fives.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used, to have a, I used to have the Spider-Man record when that came out.
3: Yep. Oh, that one was great too. That's the, like the sound effects were so bad in that.
7: Yeah! 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 The music was kind of cool. I still remember some of the songs in my head. Yep. That's cool. What time is it? Uh, I think I got to...
2: It's almost midnight. I'm getting very...
7: Yep. I got to get up at
3: five, so I guess it's probably a good time to call it.
2: Yeah, But I had a great time tonight. I want to thank our guest, Nick Principe, our Music of the Month, uh, Bad Hormones, and of course, Creepy Craig here for calling in. Always a
4: good
3: time. We always go off on like some kind of crazy tangent.
2: Yeah. And Royce calling in is very cool. And of course, terrible Troy for being here. Well, and you as well, Nasty Neil. Thank you. And everyone is listening now and everyone who will be listening on the podcast, it's been a good time. It's been a lot of
4: fun. Yeah.
2: And joining us here next week will be the return of Leatherface of Texas Traits on Massacre 2, Bob Elmore.
3: We love Bob. Looking forward to that. Yes. It's like an old family member. It's like Uncle Bob coming to visit.
2: Exactly. Good times. Good times. All right. So until next week, this is Nasty Neal. This is Terrible Troy. Say this is Creepy Craig. Creepy Craig. There you go. I shouldn't have. I didn't need some. And this is without.
3: Your. Craig, that's your cue.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, without your head. There you go. <laughs>
6: Ha ha ha